It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vedas, his father, they're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it from Wacky Races. Well, hello, everyone. This is Wade. And this is Siggy. <laughs> and you are listening to The Quiet Storm, also known as Wacky Races, on You Watched It Wrong. We're coming to here with episode number seven in our miniseries. Oh, yeah. Which, unbelievably, is halfway through our <laughs> intended schedule of Wacky Race movies. <laughs> <laughs> We're still a couple away from the Cannonball Run, folks. <laughs> still a couple away. Yeah, uh, we're and running that countdown. It, you know, the, the, this this is a series about movies about endurance races, and so we are we are walking that walk uh, by talking it because it's a podcast where we talk. So, how's your endurance going, Wade? I'm I'm sensing a little bit of fatigue. And yeah. maybe like in this stretch, we you know we had Cannonball last episode. This episode, we're doing the Gumball Rally, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sensing a lot of enthusiasm from you <laughs> at well, this stretch. Well, I will say, you know, a lot of a lot of fatigue elsewhere in my life right now. It's it, we're recording on New Year's Day uh, for some context. So Happy New Year, everyone. New Year's 2023. Thank you very much. I've got a pot of black-eyed peas going over there, which I've ah, never I've never made before. Well, it, that's why you've never had good luck. Exactly. So I thought I'd change, uh, and, but I'm not having good luck with these either because it, I, I was dubious of the eight cups of water and eight cups of broth for three-hour simmer. I've been going on six hours now, and that is not reduced. So I am like, I don't know what's going on. I think the the peas were done hours ago, but it is not reduced. So I'm fatigued over that. But there's a gentle gurgling in the background. I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a gentle gurgling. So it's kind of cozy. It's New Year's night. Yeah, uh, it kind of sounds a, like a home medics, uh, you know. <laughs> right. It, you know, it's the closest thing I have to a uh, crackling fireplace. So I've got okay. the Christmas tree still up, uh, roaring, roaring peas. <laughs> In the pot, you know, so it's I'm I'm, I'm in a chiller mood. You, you might be sensing um, that vibe more than the skepticism, but I will say I will may not be the my opinions. You should take with several grains of salt because I'm not sure I can be the best judge of this movie, and I'll tell you why. Okay, um, I rented this movie on iTunes. Looked really good, gorgeous transfer. Looked really great. Yeah, it did. Uh, I made the mistake. Well, I now know it was a mistake. It didn't feel like a mistake at the time. Uh, I had watched another movie and it had passed midnight and I did not feel like going to bed. So I decided. Okay. This would might explain some fatigue. (laughs) I decided this wasn't last night, but I decided to, um, I decided to to watch another movie. I said, well, I got to watch gumball rally. Let's watch gumball rally. Uh, I watched it. I dozed off, I think, once or twice, maybe. Uh, but I watched it, and I woke up the next morning, and I thought to myself, I had a question. There was like one one question I had that I go, hmm, I think I missed, missed something. 
maybe when I dozed off. Let me, uh, let me go back and check what that is because I still have the rental. And uh, that night, the next night, I went through it. And the movie is an hour and 46 minutes long. I realized I'd slept through an hour and 20 minutes of it. <laughs> and then that morning, I did not feel I had missed anything. <laughs> I thought I had the whole movie. I knew who won. Uh, but I had also missed the entire post-winner drama after that. So I... I so I, then I went back and I go, oh, shoot, did I miss anything from the beginning? So I went back and watched the beginning. <laughs> so my opinions are <laughs> going to be very disjointed. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> you've had lots of opportunity to, to right. form it, it sounds like, um, both awake and asleep. Right. And, and you, did, you did it twice, uh, which is in keeping with, the spirit of the movie and how it uh, concludes. That's correct. If you'd watched it backwards the second time, that might have uh, been more in <laughs> keeping. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really forming a fondness for the wacky race subgenre. Uh, I think especially these, these, the 70s uh, version of it. You know, we had the 60s epic movies. Right. And then getting into the 70s, it's these real cruddy kind of drive-in Movies and these are the ones I am actually finding myself feeling the most comfortable in. Yeah, starting. This yeah. is the least. <laughs> that's not really true. Um, th- these movies are all kind of trashy. These last three seventies <laughs> yeah. installments have been all pretty trashy in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, in stark contrast from like the what was trying to be like the glamorous, inspiring epics of the sixties. Right. And I, I really. Um, I don't know. I, it's, again, it's like we're Gen X kids. Like this is just much closer to the aesthetic of like the television that we watched growing up or just yeah. like the Saturday afternoon garbage movies, you know, the MST3K fodder. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the 50s sci-fi um, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, I, I don't know. But this was uh, this is kind of the strangest um, entry so far. It's the most... It's got the least star wattage by far, I think. Correct. Of anything we've seen. The the fewer the fewest number of like familiar faces. It um is the most formless. It has yes. the least plot structure of any of them. But it does something and I'm going to play my card right here. It does something for me the first time in this series in that it makes running one of these races look fun. Yes. Like like something I would want to do. <laughs> that's correct. I would agree. Yeah, And that's where I, I think technically this is a better a better directed movie than the Paul Bartel movies, but it's still like yeah. not a technically great piece of direction from uh Mr. Bale. Mm-hmm. But um I think what he really nails is like the spirit of like the actual Cannibal Baker's Sea to Shining, she memorial uh, sprint or whatever it was called. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the actual Cannonball Run race and the spirit behind that. This has no affiliation with it, but it's the most faithful to what that, like factually, like how those races were run. But it also like is capturing the spirit of it is like, yeah, you just, this, this is just an adventure for these people and they're kind of nutty 
And the fact that they're doing it for no money, no glamour, just for the doing of yeah, it. Not even glory, it, just fun. Not even competition. Like this. Right. I loved the sense of friendly competition in this where, yeah, they all want to win. Well, some of them don't even care if they win. They're just happy to participate in it. Even the ones who really want to win and have invested a lot of their resources into it, like when they're stopped at the same gas station as their chief rival, they're yeah, they're having friendly conversations and actually helping each other out. Right. Exactly. They both want to see the other one finish the race. There's zero sabotage going on. Anything that mm-hmm. might be cheating in another movie is just seen as like ingenuity in this one. And right. I, I don't know. I loved the spirit of, of this movie. I really gave me a real positive vibe. Yeah. Despite I, all of the kind of creepy uh, uh, sexploitation elements of it. Right. But we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> I agree. The, I, I do not have um, ill feelings about this movie uh, because of that vibe, even for the fact that the vibe is all it has. There is no, I mean, yeah. there's no conflict. There's no story. The story is there's a race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. And I, I caught myself during many sequences, driving sequences, going, so what am I looking to happen here? Like, I, there was nobody I was rooting for. There was no, like, when somebody passed another person, it didn't mean anything. But yet, at the same time, if you look at the previous entry we had, Cannonball, which ostensibly did things more appropriate. There was rivalries. There was conflict. There was some mm-hmm. people trying to sabotage each other. There were people, someone actually trying to kill the other person. Police uh, are trying to stop them for all of are trying two to stop minutes. Them. <laughs> yeah. There's a journalist recording them. It needs to get the story out, even though it doesn't go anywhere. But at least the elements were there. Right. And in this, they're just driving. That's it. <laughs> but yet this movie, because of its, it just had a smile on its face the whole time. Like, I, I, the reason I went back, the reason that I had to go back and, because I felt like I'd seen the whole movie, even though I, I clearly didn't. Um, I went back to look at it because I was like thinking about the gas station scene and thinking about the scenes where um, Michael and Smitty, I, I guess, and Franco's car kept passing each other and then Michael wins. And then you go, well, how do I feel about that? Because I didn't, I didn't feel anything for Michael. I thought Smitty was an interesting character. I thought the, I liked that actor a lot. Guys, most yeah. and and, and uh, he's got a real presence, and you could tell he's got a life lived in his head when he, whenever he's talking. And then, so I went back and I realized I'd missed everything, and realized like, that they did have a bit of a rivalry. Like he really wanted to win this race, but it was just kind of like an aw shucks, I want to win because he always wins. But oh well, yeah. you know, here you go, you're my friend, and like yay, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> it wasn't like uh, Cam or uh, from. Uh, when you know busting out uh, David Carradine's headlights so that he'd get sleepy, get <laughs> roll his car. Yeah, and was... in that one where they're actually competing for like a spot on a racing team, they're both trying to right. resurrect their careers, right? Like where right. this one, they just want to win the race. They they find the rest of their life boring, and this is the fun thing that they get to do. Because I should be really frustrated. They're just looking for a thrill. Now, yeah, exactly, and. I, I, I'm not not critical. I'm critical of this, but I'm not frustrated by it. Like the other actor, uh, uh, like a lot, is the guy who plays uh, Michael's uh, 
co-pilot or co-navigator, the, the professor, right? The guy yeah. who's teaching in the beginning, and then he comes in and... Uh, 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 yeah, the and, poor man's Donald Sutherland. <laughs> right. And yeah. um, he has this thing, this moment at the beginning of the movie where he's saying, Michael, I, I really need to do this, but I, I, I got to be careful. I mean, this, I have just a couple, if I keep my nose clean for a couple of years, I got tenure. I, I'll, I'll have tenure, so I can't mess that up. And they go, you won't. We got, this, is a, this is not a risk. It's a challenge. And then guess what? Conflict over. Never comes yeah. into play again. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I have it's to like, do it. Why did they even mess with that scene? Why, why didn't they just do it like the sting? You know, where, like, every, where Paul Newman just shows up, does the motion with his nose, and the bank guy goes, okay, quit. I'm going to see you later. Like, why did they just do that? They set up conflicts that never <laughs> come into play at all. I think and, it's the fantasy element of this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. so these characters, other than Franco, and we'll, we got to get into the cast in a minute, <laughs> but, but other than Franco and the couple, you know, the, the Bronx couple, I assume that's a, mm. the Bronx, maybe Brooklyn, I don't know. Right. You know, the, the guy who doesn't even have a car, um, the, guy, the guy who's doing the same gimmick as Oral, Ordell from, so Ordell? Yeah. Uh, the 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 one black character from Cannonball, um, same gimmick who's driving right. someone else's car cross country for them. Other he, than those, you don't really get to know these characters at all. You don't really you have no idea who they are. No, not at all. But they're very hastily sketched in the first, the first very short act, where we're introducing everybody, and then that's it. Like no nobody. Has the introspective conversation? Nothing revealing is ever right. said. It's just about running the race. It's a very um, existential movie. I've, it, I've been reading Brock Yates's book, Cannonball. Oh. Um, uh, Brock Yates, the uh, editor of Car and Driver, who at the very least came up with the name. There's a very friendly um, disagreement about who came up with the concept. For the for the real life cannonball run, um, but reading his book, like he talks about how um, Vanishing Point had just come out and Tulane Blacktop, and it was they were both the, these very existential driving movies where it was just about the act of driving. You know, right. I I still haven't seen Tulane Blacktop, but Vanishing Point, the guy just decides he he needs to drive a car from Denver to San Francisco. He's not given a deadline, but he decides he's going to do it in 15 hours. Mm-hmm. Just to cuz he has nothing I cuz that's just 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 to do it, right? And he never gives a reason. He doesn't even spoiler alert, he doesn't even get to San Francisco. <laughs> Getting to San Francisco stops being meaningful to him, so he just stops trying. <laughs> But still running, still driving the car is meaningful for to him, right? And it's kind of like that. It's like it's it's a very existential movie. Is what matters to them is the running of the race. It's not it's it's not actually accomplishing anything other than running it the way they want to run it because it's there kind of thing. Because it's a there thought and I'm actualizing it. That's yeah. The like the guy, the you know, this this the main character, the Michael Bannon, the the hero of the movie. We're given zero reason to root for this guy other than we. the movie opens with him sitting in a meeting where he's the owner of the company. <laughs> it's a rich guy. Yeah, it's to... a couple of rich guys just jerking around. It's a bunch of rich guys. Um, 
but he's as bored in the meeting as we would be. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And like, I'd rather be driving my car. And so he issues the code word and now the race is, is on. Right. But that's it. Like he's, he's sitting in a meeting, he's bored. The thought of a fast car flashes through his mind and says, yeah, I'm going to end this meeting and go run a race. And like, yeah, I'd rather be running a race too than sitting in that meeting. And that's it. Like, that's all the identification you need. It's like, yeah, it wouldn't be nice if I could just put my life on pause and go do this crazy thing. And and I can't emphasize enough what you said there. Nothing is given about these characters. The there's actually a fascinating one with the um, that I realized I slept through the first time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I went back and saw that the um, the, the all girl team this time, you know, we again yes. we have the all girl team. Uh, one of them was just was a you know a, a woman with a family who's just like, okay, I'm going to be gone by, and she told everybody she's going away for a weekend, and she's running this illegal race. Or yeah. race. and it's like, wow, who are you? More importantly, how, how do you know this community? Like, how did they reach out to you to say this was on? Right. There's right? no internet forum for them to jump on. Right. Like, so how, right. What, what is your life? What was your life? Or what is your life currently that, that, that you are in touch with these people? And like, but never, never explained. Right. <laughs> it's just like this underground, these underground enthusiasts found each other somehow. And we don't know how. Yeah. I, I like that mystery. Boy, yeah. I, I would have been so bored by the explanation for that. <laughs> And, you know, which would be inexcusable in a movie today to yeah, not... inexcusable. You know, you'd have to do the world building of what's this underground. Like, no, I don't want to... I right. want... I, it's so much better that it's a mystery and just, like, you have to wonder. I'll never forget uh, Edgar Wright saying how hard he fought the studios on Scott Pilgrim to say that you have to explain how Scott Pilgrim can fight. And he's like, no, no, you don't. He, he, he can just fight he, he loves just loves the girl. He just fights. That's it. Yeah. It's all you know. It's like why well, do any of these the people do it's what my they do? Criticism of Scott Pilgrim. He doesn't love the girl. No, he doesn't. But it, but, but he wants the girl. Yeah, I think that's a uh, that's an interesting complication to the whole proceedings. Actually, we get into Scott Pilgrim later. But yeah, <laughs> um, I'm not a fan of that movie. Oh, I, I love it, and I, I, I what I love about it is it's not a romance to. You know, for the the one, it's this is this is a relationship in your young life at this point in time. Well, I was a gentleman at that point in time, so fuck yeah. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> well, it's all summed up in the you have to tell her, you have to break up with her, oh, but the, you have to tell her that's oh, but that's hard. <laughs> yeah, zero like, zero yeah, sympathy for that. It's hard. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so um, <laughs> the other thing, um, so yeah, we got a, we got. A, oh, here's another thing I missed. I had an interesting experience viewing experience with this movie because I fell asleep in the beginning, woke up, saw the transition of the second act, fell asleep again, woke up at the end, fell asleep before the very end. <laughs> so. I she slept through the second act, which is ninety percent well, of the movie. <laughs> I must have slept through the first act too, because the 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 fake cops I didn't realize were real cops <laughs> until I went back and I watched the beginning. Like, wait, they're real cops? <sighs> I honestly, yeah, okay, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I had a I had a I real have a theory about 
I, I think that is it is confusing. Um, I think most. Of the it's movie, not confusing. I I, I I did not fall asleep, and I found it kind of confusing. Anyway, um, let's can we can we run through the numbers? Real let's quick? run. Let's run. Oh, let's run through the numbers. Yes. Okay, so Q Kai Rizdal. We're in 1976. Uh, yeah, play the Lemonade Stand uh, soundtrack for me, please. <laughs> okay. So 1976, July 6 was the rollout for Cannonball, aka as if Cannonball had a wide release. But that was, you know, when <laughs> that's the release date for Cannonball. Uh, I forgot to check out Death Sport. Yeah. Well, there's still time because we haven't got there in the timeline yet. Because a scant one month and two weeks later, the Gumball Rally is released. One month and two weeks. One month and two. So on August 20th, 1976 release, uh, our budget has really ratcheted up from the Roger Corman batch. We're looking at a four and a half million Dollars budget, nineteen seventy six dollars, and this is going to gross over the next two years. I couldn't find final numbers everywhere, but the nineteen seventy six and seventy seven receipts combined, six point six million dollar receipts. Oh, so, okay. So does over a two year period? Yeah. So wow. it doesn't right. doesn't double its money, but it does make money. Yeah, what's the P and A? I'm guessing on this? there wasn't a big advertising campaign for this movie that I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and has made like almost no impression in the lasting cultural consciousness uh, outside of uh, car enthusiasts. Um, so in today's dollars, you know, or 2020 pre-inflation insanity dollars. That would be like a $37 million movie making 54. Mm. So probably a disappointment. Um, doesn't really, if you're looking at, you know, from a business perspective, doesn't justify the increase from, you know, Cannonball, which was a $780,000 budget. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like five, more than five times the budget, but uh, not nearly... Uh, the same kind of return. Roger Corman had a system for a reason. He he did. He's, he stayed in business, he, that guy. Um, going through the cast, like you said, this is an hour 46 run time, so pretty breezy. <laughs> or if you're like me, 26 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, cast is really thin. If you're looking at Names you would recognize that would be the reason to go for it. In fact, no no names above the title on the poster. Um, no. The the star the, of the, They Shoot Horses, don't they? Yeah, and and nothing else. A bunch of TV. Most of these actors, like, going through it, they did a lot of minor TV work. You know, small roles in long careers in television. I think they're all good actors. I think the cast... Mm. Like, just evaluating the cast in this movie, I think it's a good cast. Yeah, it's way better than Cannonball. Yeah. Um, these, I are, mean, you've got, like, you've, these are people who know how to act. You've got, you've got Gary Busey. You've got... Uh, uh, Colin, always nice to see Colin Camp, even if it's just for a minute. Colin Camp, who, weirdly, I had just seen in a movie two days before, uh, Monstrous. Oh, she's a monstrous. Christina Ricci. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's in every... Um, uh, you also may remember her as um, from Police Academy 2, uh, Tackleberry's mm-hmm. partner whose family likes to be, beat each other up for dinner. 
and and not a lot else. Um, we have Gary Busey acting demented <laughs> um, and strange. We have Raul Julia. This is called the Gumball Rally, but Raul Julia comes in like a wrecking ball <laughs> and just like destroys every scene he's in. Clearly, Completely the one, the main, the the one star of the of the movie. I mean, the uh, one he, like name actor guy. Well, he wasn't at this point in his really? career. He was a stage actor, but he. I think this is like his second or third movie. Like, oh, he know. gets the and credit, so I assume he had some sort of, you know. They must be trying to make. I mean, he clearly like right. on the poster, he's nowhere near the top, but he's got the biggest name like way down in the cast list on the poster. Uh, but I mean, he just. He's incredible in this movie. He's honestly, this is a strange thing to say for a movie like The Gumball Rally. This might be the sexiest performance by a man I've ever seen in a movie. Really? As as comically sexualized I, as he was? I thought he was so incredibly handsome. <laughs> I, a, okay, I totally believe that every woman who sees him instantly cannot... Instantly turned on and cannot resist. I like, would, are throwing themselves at him. Well, I do. Right? I do believe. I do agree that the 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 comically overt shtick that he does, I believe, would work on any woman. Yes, I believe that. Like it. Like, so like, to the yeah, point where right, I'm good. Okay, you've heard of motorboating, <laughs> where yeah. you, he does he does motor carring, where right. in the afterglow he drives his toy car up a woman's curbs and goes, yeah, and he, then. Eat your heart them. out. Eat your heart out, Ben Affleck. <laughs> and then kisses them with the yeah motorboat lips. That should not work. Do it and, for anybody, but he can pull it off. It's Raul Julia like being a, a sexual supernova. <laughs> you know, Puerto so, Rican playing Italian, and uh, as like the broadest Italian stereotype once again. Professes his love for large breasts. Yeah, that that took uh, me like right back. Melons. That that took me right back to those jaunty, those uh, daring young men and those jaunty jalopies. Yeah, Monte Carlo really- or ladies' busts, as it's yeah. also known. Um, uh, and, and God damn, every every shtick he did in every scene, like was working for me. I thought he was hilarious. I thought some of his line readings were genuinely brilliant. Um. And it's it's such a stupid role in a stupid movie. <laughs> it's really stupid. But when but he, he, God but, damn it, he works. But when you got it, you got it. You know. So I know, ladies, gentlemen, take note when you uh, if you want to land Siggy, you know what you have to do. Man, get out thank those. Thank God high- I didn't encounter as a two year old encounter Raul Julia, <laughs> uh, and had been. Uh, I don't even want to think about what would have happened. Just bring, bring out those Hot Wheels and start motorboating. <laughs> uh, otherwise, in the cast list, uh, we—I mean, we have I, I, not names I or faces I recognize, but we have um, Susan Flannery, who's very mm-hmm. successful soap opera star for a long time on the Days of Our Lives. She's mm-hmm. got a bunch of daytime Emmys. Um, she finishes very high in polls of greatest soap stars ever. Looks like. Kind of look like, um, God damn it! She kind yeah, she looks like um, Shelley Long a little bit, right? No, I was trying to say, uh, 
what knockers? Why, thank you, Terry Gar. Uh, what, Terry Gar. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Thank God. <laughs> you know, if someone hadn't seen Young Frankenstein, that was probably a horrifying conversation. Yeah, but but appropriate for this movie. Um, and even blonder <laughs> Terry Gar, like they had yeah. trouble um, not overexposing the film uh, from from her blondness. Um, and that's. Yeah. Right? Now I will say you you uh, expressed your uh, admiration for uh, Raul Julia. And I have to say, I don't. I'm not a man who likes to tell everyone. See, you know, you know that that woman over that actress. Oh, oh, I love. I have to say though, <laughs> I I was surprisingly taken by uh, Trisha O'Neill. Yes, I went. You and I both, my friend. Where? Have, how come I've not seen her everywhere? <laughs> She I, was wow. Okay, I mean, not, we do not, get a couple of zooms into her yeah. bikini top and nothing else, which made which 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 is very tasteless. And I was like, "Oh, guys, come on!" But then at the same time, I was appreciative. But also, <laughs> incredibly visually appealing, very visually appealing. But, but yeah, but even that, even when she's not in her bikini, yeah, or has something on over her bikini. Incredibly beautiful and really, I thought, really good in her scenes. Yes. And, like, I, I didn't expect her to do the Brock's, that character. But when she's doing it, I'm like, oh, my God, you're great. Yeah. I, I really like you as an actress, not just I, visually, but I... Yeah. So I immediately was like, where else? She's in Piranha. Is that right? I the first know. Piranha. Is it Piranha or Piranha 2? I can't remember. But, like, she... Unfortunately, she hasn't been in that many movies. She's done a lot of TV lately. But her, she's in Titanic as woman. But like, yeah, she was. I would have liked to see her in like a Scorsese movie. Oh, in totally. 70s. I mean, her eyes when she's whenever there's car uh, wreckage going on around here, her and her eyes like. But she's just amazing. She's got ah. Uh. And then I I liked her boyfriend, the the audience surrogate in the movie, um, the guy I, who doesn't have a car. Well, I liked him as an actor, but I thought his character was, I really thought he was a piece of shit. No, I, he becomes less appealing as the movie goes on. Yeah, so goes I stop on. I stop rooting for him. Yeah, you really stop, and I'm like, okay, so what's what are we are we supposed to still be rooting for him, or in the end, this is so confusing because like. You know, he turns on her at this one point. Well, let, yeah, let's 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 talk through their storylines. Okay, okay, so much time. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So yeah, so so we we first meet him. Uh, he works at the garage where they're going to be leaving for the race, and he's and uh, so he knows all the racers, and he's just he's bringing them food and drinks, and then he's going to basically open up the race for them and count them off yeah. as they go. He's like their little buddy, yeah. right? He's their little buddy. And but he doesn't have a car, and he complains. He's like, you know, if you don't have my 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 girlfriend told me that I can't do any subway dates anymore. And my girlfriend car, told me I can't do subway dates anymore. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. And uh, then he sees as he see, he's saying, you know, I could do this if I race if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to, but uh, I don't got a car. So and at that moment, he sees in the paper, drive my car across country for pay, and then he like leaps at it. And unofficially yeah. joins the race, not to anyone's knowledge. <laughs> right. He doesn't make a big deal out of it. He doesn't he make a big deal to... out of it. He just wants to go do it. And yeah. so then he swings by and he picks her up at a modeling job with a photographer who does not know what he's got. Let me tell you that. 
<laughs> he's incredibly unimpressed with one of the most impressive creatures that's in front of him. I think the session ends with, this has been all right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so he picks her up and he doesn't tell her that they're going cross country. It isn't until a little bit in the drive, right, where he says, we're going to Long Beach, California. And so she threatens to jump out of the car because, you know, I didn't sign up for that. And um, every time... Where does he get the car? Where does he get the car, Wade? Oh, he gets it from... I'm sorry. He picks it up from a rich mansion place where he's all these cars and one of them is uh, Rolls Royce. It's the Butel butel bit. It's the Butel from Cannonball. Exact same thing. It's the same thing. In fact... While having the conversation in the garage about not having the car, the, the newspaper flies up into his face or into right. the camera <laughs> where he sees immediately the ad, I right. need a car driven from New York to Los Angeles and uh, inquire, inquire over here. So he, right. Yeah. And so he does, another, he does another con where he's asked if he's bonded. And he, say, he lies and says yes. And he says yes. And the guy says, well, I'm satisfied with that answer. <laughs> Here's Real. the keys. Here you go. Uh, not very worldly, these rich people. <laughs> so, so we uh, need a, a this, this is becoming a, an art archetype. So now we have Zippo, the sidekick, yeah. who, like, I can be in this race too, like my buddy Cannonball. Except Zippo goes so far as to build a <laughs> duplicate car <laughs> and go shopping to find duplicates of all of Cannonball's clothes. <laughs> This guy doesn't do all of that, but he does, you know, he's in the similar position of the being the little buddy who wants to fit in, you know, the chim chim kind of character. Now, the Um, thing I found entertaining about this sequence, other than just being glad whenever Trisha O'Neill was on screen, was every time, and I, I don't know if I like what it says, but every time that Angie protests her situation... Or, yeah. or wants to have autonomy <laughs> of her actions and her and her whereabouts. Um, it causes great destruction around them. Like she puts a bag mm. in his face, and then uh, the car swerves, and it causes all this wreckage around them. But nothing happens to the Royals. So then there's this. Right. Lo- there's there's like three or four sequences where she's like, no. I'm not going to allow that. You're a jerk. And then suddenly the car swerves and then all these crashes, this happens. And, and, but, the, but the rules remains unscathed. And it seems like, right, opposite of Butel, who's always getting the car dinged every time he goes chasing some tail. Right. This one, they like, oh, this is more like um, Nick Fury and uh, uh, Captain Marvel. We're like, oh, I'm almost got... The car damaged, but not right, quite. Not quite. We made it out of that scrape. And so it feels like that's going to be the comic tension through the whole movie. And it doesn't, right. But doesn't they don't. Really they, 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 they get keyed at one stop. And then they drive appropriately they, through a haboob. I did not know why there was no explanation for that. But then I thought, uh, there's the no explanation storm? for anything. Yeah, the sandstorm. But like, oh, they happen. They're in like Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's haboobs. But she's a bikini model driving through a haboob. I just thought that was. <laughs> I just um, thought that was worth. Right. So 
when uh, they tick off the uh, the biker ga- or no no when they excite the biker gang and then uh, get chased by the biker gang. Um, by excite you means she's wearing a bikini while washing the windshield, or washing the windshield, and the biker gang is like, "Oh, let's gang rape her." Yeah, basically. Uh, And the movie takes a sharp left turn into being the horror into a horror genre. Yeah, it really does. It's incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, suddenly there's nothing funny about this scene, and and otherwise pretty light uh, comic comic movie uh and it gets dark real fast well that well it, it it it's bothersome because the movie thinks it's light like the movie thinks it's a um a uh, uh oh this is just another comic mechanism this this biker gang wants to rape this woman and it's like that's what was so uncomfortable about it was like it's not playing it for the, laughs that's there's the one lot. weird line when they're making their escape Right, where he says they're going to kill... Like, 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 uh, that, and that moment is where I lost all, I lost all um, empathy for that character. It was when he says, oh my God, they're going to kill me and rape you. And then she says, well, wow, what, well how do you know? Maybe they're going to kill me and rape you. Yeah. I'm like, okay, is that, that's what goes for comedy in this scene? Because <laughs> nothing like that has been mentioned or contextualized anywhere elsewhere in this movie. Just right here. Now the only thing I liked about it was that Angie sticks her herself out the window and basically, basically, you know, clobbers like four or five bockers and fins them all off. But uh, other than that, it's a really dark like scene meant to be played like yeah, screwball, it's genuinely, yeah, genuinely frightening. Um, and it's like the one time like. It's the one scene that's about the hazards of cross-country driving. Yeah. Like, you might encounter some messed up shit if you tried this. Like, everything else is more, you know... I mean... Wouldn't you love to be in, behind the wheel of this car right now? Michael and Schmitty and, and Franco get conned by the, the, the guy who... The plant by Roscoe. You know, we haven't I'll, talked I'll, about Roscoe. So yeah, we, we need to. Which uh, is the... the the conflict structure of yeah the, the only movie, story but. of the the only story conflict of uh, the only story and conflict of the movie and yet it feels like when you watch you're like why am I even watching this <laughs> it's like it's so well, he, it doesn't seem for you to be there um, well, that's I absolutely can tell you why it's there because this is a m- movie about rebellion and this is the man yes. this cop who just wants to take away their fun. Yeah, exactly. But we never correct me if I'm wrong cuz obviously I slept through a lot. They they never set up his It isn't until later when he's kind of weary with just um why are these guys doing it to me again. Like I never got in the beginning the sense that these these guys have beat me year after year after year after oh. year. No, they definitely set that up. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. No, that he's been trying to stop them for years, but because like they flip a coin to see, okay, who's going to sabotage him this year? Mm. You know, they've got right. they've got their plans yeah, that's for true. him. That's right. Like, that's they right. have that's their right. they countermeasures already. Right. Like yeah, this is like something a rivalry that's been going on for a while. Now, I actually liked that actor a lot who played Roscoe. I thought he, I I enjoyed watching him. Yeah, he's slumming in a. 
<laughs> really like in the worst written role in the movie, probably. Right. Um, and and yeah, uh, he seems like a pretty decent character actor. Like you know, he is. Him in and he his detective it, movies. I believe his highest profile, at least at least at least the highest profile thing in my mind of what I've seen that he's done is he he's a Felix Leiter. Did you did you catch that? What's a Felix Leiter? From James Bond. You know, James Bond's American, you know, Jack Lord played Felix Leiter in the first Doctor No, and then there's been different actors who's played Felix Leiter throughout the and years. And Felix Leiter is another special agent? He's CIA. But he's like he's okay. like James Bond's he's he's a recurring Bond trope. He's like Q. Except he's okay. like there's M, Q, and Felix. They're in almost every movie, right? Oh. I know M and Q. I don't know Felix. Felix, I'm, Felix I'm not as I'm not oh, that big a James Felix Bond is, fan. Felix is 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 later played by uh, Jeffrey Wright in the Daniel Craig movies. Okay, and so and I, I've always liked Felix Leiter a lot. As a, uh, like, but he is Felix Leiter in uh, Diamonds Are Forever. So, oh, all right, yeah. So it was a nice little nice little thing to see there. Oh, but back to wait, wait real quick. Back to Angie and um, is it Lauren? Wait. Lorenzo, what's it, what's the kid's name? The, the oh, guy the uh, Barney. No, that's not right. Jose, it's uh, Jose. Jose, it's Jose. His his real name is Lorazo Perez. Um, I don't think I've said that correctly. I apologize. Um, if that's the case, yeah. So so they drive through the haboob, get the the car just kind of the paint job destroyed. Right, and paint the, just gets stripped right off. And it's around here where he he's he's yelling at her because he had told her, "You go to Hollywood, you'll get noticed, you'll become an actress. Come on, baby, let's go." And then for some reason, for no, what I didn't think was any really good reason, he just turns on her and says, "You know, maybe you're not the girl for me. You're not gonna. You think you can just go down the street in Los Angeles and the producer is gonna pick you up and you're gonna become an actress?" And she's like, "That's what you told me was gonna happen." And then they drive yeah. through the haboob, ruins the... Am I saying that right? <laughs> yeah. These aren't our lovey-dovey surfer no. couple from... from Absolutely Cannonball. not. And then... They're, they're showing more of the tensions that a high-speed endurance race that one hasn't prepared for at all might put on, on one or a couple. Right. Little emotional strain showing And there. if I'm not mistaken, they go first... Not to the end of the race, not to the finish line. They go first to the home of the car yeah. owner, yeah, to drop off the car, and it's it's of course just, you know it's it's it looks horrible. And um, the producer, the guy that uh, who owns the car, apparently is a movie producer, and he's taken by Angie's beauty, leads her yes. in, starts immediately putting the moves on her. So he's like, oh, I was going to get the paint job redone anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he's not angry this is, because This is brought- the trope of female racer using her sex powers to get out of a jam. But she didn't, look, she didn't look like she was... She's not trying to. No. Trying to. She looked like she's just like, whoa. Like, she's all no, kind of oblivious right. to the whole thing. You're right. It's not a... It's not a she's not playing a, the sex card. But I, she, I kind of just, in a way... She just embodies it for him. Yeah. In a weird, weird would way, I kind of... I hate to say this. I kind of wish that she had, because then later it would make more sense for what we see later. But I'm gonna—I'll I'll get to that in a second. So 
The, the producer ushers her in, just whisks her waist, you know, not angry about the car because you've brought me this angel. Just come on in. And, of course, uh, Jose is upset because he's lost his girl that he dumped minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was he's just rejected. talk. He wasn't going to. Exactly. And then, and then he apparently doesn't put the car in park, and so the car rolls away. And then smash. Actually, really alarming stunt by who the Uber yes. was playing the groundskeeper in that truck, because yeah. the the Rolls Royce slams into that landscaping truck, and the guy's rib cage lands square on that side of the bed of the truck. Like it's, yeah. I don't know how he was got up and was running. It must have been padded. They must have obviously been preparing for that. But I was like, oh my god, that guy's got to have internal yeah. hemorrhaging. It looks bad. It's really um, bad. The most frightening stunt is one of the earlier capers with this couple in their uh, borrowed uh, Rolls Royce. Um, I, I think it was with the, well, there's a few, one, they run through like a car lot and like a Volkswagen Beetle gets like pinned against a light oh, post God, and yeah. twisted sideways, which is a pretty incredible stunt. Um, and then in the biker gang, one of the bikers gets run like into a stereo shop. Yeah. And runs to a display, and like the guy's not wearing a helmet or anything, and nearly creams himself on the column, the support <laughs> column, holding up the the roof of this of the store. Yeah. Like the display case he runs through is fake. Like it's that's fake. It's clearly splinters. Yeah, nothing. But this column looks real, and he almost <laughs> takes himself out in it. Yeah, coming it, right at the camera. It's rough. Uh, that was a scary moment for the actor. So, so our, our director is a former stunt coordinator. Oh, uh, we well, that even, makes sense. That makes sense on even, a lot of levels. Yeah, mentioned um, Charles Bale. Um, doesn't have a lot of credits, but he's also directed a couple Cleopatra Jones movies and okay. Black Samson. So he comes from black exploitation. I could find no biography about him. I didn't look super hard. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, other than he was a former stunt coordinator, I don't know what movies he was. Stunt coordinator for. Um, anyway, before, before we move back on, we got to finish up this this Angie Jose storyline. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. The thing that gets me is I figure that's the end. She's now with she's with the producer. The car's been returned. It's now destroyed as revenge for her for things working out. I guess. <laughs> and then Jose runs away laughing, being chased by the groundskeeper with internal hemorrhaging. Uh, <laughs> Then, at the end of the race, when everyone's there, you see Angie at the finish line. I, I don't know how they got there. but Is Angie's, she with the producer? No, she's with Jose. Jose is, like, like leaning well, up, come, leaning into her, like, like he's, she's, she's, like, husbanding him, you know? She, he's, like, he's got back into her chest, and she's got his arms around him. She's stroking his hair and just cooing and loving, and I'm like, Well, before that happens, a minute. He, he rolls in on a skateboard. Oh, he does roll in on skateboard. That's right. That's right. Everybody else is coming on their cars, and they're all parties underway. He rolls in on a skateboard, and they're like, hey, you made it. And he's like, hey, I got to the finish line. I don't remember how she's But there, she's there, she and then she's like all over him. And I'm like, well, that, that I guess she got a ride se- from the producer. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was really just thrown. Um, and we get a nice long shot of it while Michael's talking to Roscoe. They're in the foreground, and I'm like, uh, uh, 
you know, duh, okay. So yeah, that that makes very little sense to me. But I'm still glad it was there because otherwise I would never have been enchanted by Trisha O'Neill. So you gotta look at the silver linings. That's right. Um so let's let's go. So that was a little preview of the structure, but there's not a lot of structure uh, to this movie. So no, Roscoe's be... trying to trying to go. We will get a much more significant version of Roscoe uh, in the upcoming uh, Cannonball Run with AJ Foyt, right? He's the one who's trying to stop the race in Cannonball Run, right? Okay, well, you're asking me like, to affirm you. I haven't peeked ahead. I haven't, the what? Oh, I just remember. I haven't seen those Cannonball Run movies since I was a kid. So I remember I'm very. Looking forward to rediscovering. Clearly, he's in a white suit, and he used to do those um, ads. Deal? Did somebody say deal? I think it's the same guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Were those Hondas or Toyota? I can't remember. Anyway. Um, I want to I do one thing before we go further. Okay. I, I was watch, re-watching the trailer for Gumball Rally this morning. There's a moment in the trailer where uh, that suddenly a lot of the lackadaisical story elements suddenly made sense. That they put this in the trailer. So listen, listen to this moment. But in the Gumball Rally, the cars are the stars. Camaro, Corvette, Cobra, Porsche, Ferrari, Rolls-Royce, Kawasaki. They go over. So the point is, is like I've, I've never seen another trailer where they just listed the names, brand names of the cars like that are in the movie. Like Fast and Furious yeah. doesn't go Dodge Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> But like you go, yeah. The point the movie knows, and the the people producing the movie know, we're here just to watch these cars like drive around, and that's what the movie does. This is a movie by car people for car people. Uh, Paul Bartel not interested in in the cars. Not interested in cars. This movie definitely is interested in the cars. So much so thinks they're awesome and wants you to think they're awesome too. Yeah, and so much so they don't really augment anything about them they just like look at those cars drive on the road yeah <laughs> let's right. do that a lot that's all we want we just want to see these cars drive and we want to look <laughs> we want them to look like they're going fast we want to look like they're going fast and they're Unless, not doing a lot of under cranking like nope. they, they, they are just driving the cars fast yeah. down the road yeah we sometimes see, in live traffic it looks like <laughs> That the 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 one I was really scared for the Rolls Royce after the right after that stereo uh, shop crash because that Rolls Royce it's not undercranked it's really going fast past the camera and then two oncoming cars have to split and have nowhere to go and that was just that was terrifying <laughs> yeah was, woof no there's some there's some thrilling driving in this movie it's, and it's... there is just driving I mean there's some thrilling driving. But there's also a lot of non-thrilling driving. Just, ah, look at the car. <laughs> That's it. We're just going to watch them on the road. I'll tell you what isn't well done about this movie is the dialogue recording. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of live 
sound like it it sounds like they're recording while they're driving. Yeah. A lot of engine noise in the background. Dialogue is muffled. I had a hard time understanding a lot of it. And I don't I don't know if there's any ADR work. There's a lot of scenes where there's definitely not ADR and I wish they had done. Yeah, um, well, try getting Jerry Busey to do ADR. Yeah. <laughs> on his performance. I mean, I maybe he did. I don't know, but <sighs> I, I, I I think that would be a tall order to match that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go through our racers because the the structure is we get one quick scene, maybe, maybe two, but usually one with each race racer or team, uh, and then they all show up at the secret meeting and explain the rules um, of the race, which is there's no rules. There's one rule: you leave the garage in New York. You show up at the garage in Los Angeles, fastest elapsed time wins, leave civilians out of it, try not to get arrested, but otherwise anything goes. And pretty much the civilians are left out of it except for the Rolls-Royce team, and that's it. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else, civilians, don't aren't, aren't endangered. They're right. They're really just trying to, to, to lay low. But they're also driving really, really fast and um, worried about cops. So law enforcement is actually an obstacle in this movie. Um, and in no less than in the form of Detective uh, Roscoe. L- Lieutenant Roscoe. Sorry. Lieutenant well, according Roscoe, to IMDb, he could be. Could who's be. close to retirement, although that's not an issue. That's not like, this is my last... <laughs> This is my last rodeo. You know, we're not going to hear that until the end. It doesn't, it's not yeah, like a thing. It doesn't, doesn't come up. But he's like, you know, this is like, um, even he's got his own theme that really, it's it's kind of sounds like a play on the Dragnet theme, but it really reminds me, and this might be uh, unrealistic, but, um, or inaccurate, but a police academy. <laughs> uh, who's the guy who's always on Mahoney's case? It's G.W. Bailey, again. right? I don't know his character name. Yeah, Sergeant. it's this kind of character. This is like the deacon from Animal House. Like this is just like the the humorless authority figure who yeah. is really just trying to rain on everyone's parade. I was trying to do Mahoney, like G.W. Bailey, Sergeant Mahoney's. You're one sick puppy. But instead, I did G.W. Bailey from Mannequin going, Switcher! <laughs> it just, sorry, the cognitive, I just went, oh, of course I would do Mannequin instead of, sorry, I, uh, let's carry on. I'm the reason these things are three freaking hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so our main guys uh, have to sabotage him because he's staked out. He's flown in from Los Angeles. To catch these guys, and so he's gonna. But why? He's gonna, They're he's gonna to try Los Angeles. He's gonna have three gambits to try to stop them. He's gonna try to stop them as they leave the garage. He's mm-hmm. gonna try to intercept them in Illinois, uh, uh, with the snow-capped mountains of Illinois visible in the in the distance <laughs> along I eighty. And then right. once more, uh, like somewhere in the Arizona, California desert, he's going to try to intercept. Yes. Them. And yeah. other than that, it's like 
the the bones of this movie are him preparing to do that and um grousing about it and getting ready for the next contact point right. with the racers and finding pants and each of those just like leads to a one scene gag yeah. uh, except for the last one which is a little bit more of an extended conflict but not very extended is really the wrong word yeah and he motions a helicopter to almost hit a bunch of actors in the head <laughs> do you know how low that helicopter was flying then that one scene when he's got all the cops in Arizona lined up and he signals for the helicopter to come up to take off and come over and the helicopter's flying like seven feet off the ground or something. It was nuts. Yeah. There's would never allow that today here. Um, uh, it, he will have the helicopter chase the chase them uh, and they will outrun the helicopter, which I thought, well, that doesn't seem right. But then I looked up and it's actually like the top speed of the Ferrari is 180 and the top speed of the helicopter is 150. So yeah, they oh, would yeah, have uh, outrun would. the helicopter. So the helicopter was a pretty bad plan. Uh, although it totally works in uh, Crazy Mary, Dirty Larry. Oh, or Dirty, the Dirty Mary, Crazy, Crazy Mary. Mary. Yeah. But then they're like running through an orchard. They're not on an interstate. so Yeah, they don't have a Ferrari either. They don't. Or do they? No, they don't. They don't. It is a souped-up car, but still. Anyway, and that's like the structure of the, of the thing. So, uh, and then we get to the end, and like the, the race ends. They win. Uh, somebody wins. Um, there's a last stage of the race so we'll, we'll get to that okay let's run through our racers we okay. have our main guy owner of the candy company mm-hmm. who keeps a, a safe that he does he know gumballs are in the safe like he's <laughs> yeah, in the boring the- meeting blah 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 sales are up sales are down we make candy blah blah we have a, a shot where he's just looking bored into space and just sees a Car driving, zoom, flash. Yeah. Like a quick the feeling like of an iris dissolved to just a car zooming down a, a highway. And then he pulls out his safe, does the combination, is filled with gumballs. And this is either his inspiration or his ritual, because he's going to pick up the phone and call his buddy, Professor Samuel Graves, and utter the word gumball. Gumball, gumball, and everybody like gets activated. So suddenly the phone tree, <laughs> they have their phone tree, um, and are people are going to get called and hear the word gumball, and suddenly they're going to drop everything, exit their normal lives, and enter their underground superhero selves <laughs> uh, to get their car, get their junk food together. And uh, I'll get to this garage in in New York. Um, and so we have we have uh, Michael Bannon and the professor. His being a professor is going to have no bearing on anything. He's just right. he's just the co-pilot for our main kind of. How, how do you describe this Michael Sarazen character? This Michael Bannon character. He's kind of like a, a poor man Steve McQueen with, with shaggier I, hair. I guess. Like he's more, he of, a, more of a pretty, well, I was going to say he's more of a pretty boy. He's, he's TV handsome, I would say. You know what I mean? TV like, 70s he, handsome. Yeah. But not star handsome. Not star handsome. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a, 
I mean, he's both rugged and soft at the same time. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a little, a little more, a little. I don't know. Just talking about his looks. I, I, there's nothing else to talk about. There's not. Yeah. <laughs> I think he doesn't have any particular appeal. He's not right. especially. He's kind of cool. He's very confident. Right. He's cool. He's confident. And, he's but, a nice guy. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have any. He doesn't treat anybody badly. But he he's serious. Yeah. He's very serious about this race. He's he very does, serious and he about wins. everybody. And who cares? Following the rule, <laughs> right, and doing it the right way. He he wants to keep the cops out of it. You know, like he posts a big guy in the door. Like I want this door secure. You got it, buddy. You got it, Michael. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, there's not much to this guy. Like there's not there's not even like a caricature of him. Like you're yeah, saying. there's not anything to feel good or bad about him winning. Yeah, he's a blank slate. He's a totally blank slate. He's like okay. All right, <laughs> that happened. And yet he doesn't seem like a boring guy while not yeah. being particularly appealing. I don't know. It's it's very strange. Yeah. Uh, strange, strange uh, way to uh, star your movie. Uh, and then, so they're in an AC Cobra, for those of you who know what that is uh, and care. I didn't. I don't. I'm not a car person. Okay. Cobra's His cool. chief rival. Smitty, Steve Smith. Is this the guy that when he hears the word gumball immediately runs and jumps off of his balcony into the pool? Yes. Okay. That's him. So this is a beard guy. He's got a beard. He's otherwise level-headed. Like that, you know what I mean? Throughout the rest of the movie, he's he's pointed, but he's pretty level-headed, I think. He's very focused. He's focused, right. So he he's the one who rolls his eyes when you say, last year, our, our record time, 34 and a half hours, was set by Michael, our star. Smitty rolls his eyes. Like, he's he's the co-organizer of the race. He's the other... Yeah. He, well, he seems you know, to be the only one who's doing any, like, logistical work. Michael just like, let's run the race. Mm. And then Smitty's kind of doing everything. That's kind of yeah. what it feels like. But he's the big money guy. He's, you know... Right. It's kind of, it's weird. It's set up like a snobs versus slobs. Like Michael should be the underdog because Smitty's like super rich and has set up like secret crew teams and a, and a truck, which I'm going to get to that truck. Yeah. He's got like, you know, he's got like secret stuff that he's stashed and, and set up. He's, he's hired a ringer. He's brought in this Italian yeah. uh, Grand Prix racer. One Le Mans, one... Yeah. Some, and yet it doesn't feel like a rivalry, you know? It doesn't feel like like it, the thing is like, oh, there's Thorndike, who's brought in, hired all his, used his riches to buy him all this equipment and all this stuff, but then just good old scrappy know-how beats him. That's, yeah. That, it doesn't feel like that at no. all. It's got, he's got all the trappings of the villain, and he's not the villain. He's not the villain. <laughs> in fact, I was rooting for him. <laughs> This was the car I was rooting for. The I whole was race. Too. Was, he, he brings, he cheats he, no, by hiring a, 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 a driver, but the driver's like this awesome, charismatic guy who, like, I would love to drive cross country with this guy too. Like, oh, you know? he does get on his nerves when every time he sees a woman, he has to well, stop and he gets, he, he leaves him, he strands him this, at one point. This is the other big conflict in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, I guess Italian we are finding some. Must, <laughs> must. Plus, must plus, be satisfied. 
I, uh, I, uh, I, we are finding conflict in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they feel like genuine friends. Yeah, I do too. I really do. And how like one's desire to win doesn't impede their friendship. No, it, it doesn't create like they're not pulling pranks on each other or, you know, sabotaging yeah. each other. No, they both really respect each other and they yeah. both want the other one to finish the race. You know, like right. you can tell, like they're, they're thrilled at the end that it's come down to the two of them and that they're, <laughs> they're racing for the finish line. Through the LA like they River, both right? love yeah. that. Yeah. They love it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, to the point where as established at the beginning of the movie, it's not a race to the finish line. That's not how the rules of the work. Right. <laughs> It's a staggered start. It's a staggered start. And so they left at different times. They have different times on their punch cards. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't matter at this point. Like now they're, they see each other, like they're driving side by side. Right now it's, to, it's who, who's first across the finish line. Right. It's just the thrill of the race. Yeah, and that's yeah. what it's all about. That's what the entire movie's about. It's just the thrill of doing it. And I, maybe, I love that. Maybe that's what the title means because I was trying to think to myself, why gumball? Like, why? What's the significance well, of gumball? It's a play on. It's a play on cannonball. Oh, is it? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but they could have chosen. They could have chosen soccer ball. You know? Uh, yeah. So why gumball? It's a good question. But but I guess now thinking about it, like it's the thrill. It's the it's the rush of the sugar. It's the it's the, mm. the can't you know the yeah, the the ephemeral joy you get from this experience, right? That makes some sense, maybe. Yeah. Just for the pleasure of it. Just for the pleasure of it. Pleasure—that was the word I was looking for. You got it. That's my job here: is to <laughs> come up with the word, figure out what Wade's trying to say, <laughs> and have a better word. Uh, so, like you know, so this guy's got lots of money. He set up. Pit crews mm-hmm. peppered throughout the land, including uh, a semi truck, a mobile pit crew, which is just at the right time, right as the Roscoe's police are tra- uh, tracking him down, having uh, when the hell uh, uh, the, the, the they sprung a radar trap and and he's trying to catch him. They pull into the back of a semi truck, like Spy Hunter. Add that to yes. our Spy Hunter secret weapons uh, bingo card. We've had the the smoke screen in the Great Race. We've had the oil slick in Death Race 2000. Now the we pulling the, into the mobile. We had the hand grenade in well, Death I don't Race think 2000. That's, in, that's not in Spy Hunter. But You're okay, right. Yeah, we'll You're expand right. Now we got the driving into the truck. Right. Driving into the truck. That's so the we, just, we just need a working machine gun mounted on mm. uh, on a car. We yep. had a fake one. We had fake ones with Joe Viterbo. We did not have. But we need ones. a we need a real one and then a missile launcher, which I don't think we're going to get. But well, we might we'll actually. Okay. Well, I just remember. Because you remember Roger? No, Moore. don't oh, wait. That was a tease. Okay. You got to tease me. Right. Don't don't take that milestone away from me by by giving okay. it to me now. Because you know I pumped my two fists in the air when he when the back of that truck pulls down and the ramp comes down. Yeah, two yeah. fists pumping in the air like drive up that ramp. 
<laughs> I was so happy. Okay. Now, uh, next we have... So that's, that's Smitty and Franco, played by Raul Julia. Uh, I think we'll probably talk more about Franco and how he's introduced, but... <laughs> probably. Um, then we have a couple of... I guess they, we, we go down to a stunt show. We see cars jumping on ramps over other cars. Mr. Guts. Mr. Guts, like a real dime store evil Knievel. Like he's not even trying. It seems like the point of his jump over the cars is not to succeed in the jump. Yeah, it's to wreck. It's a one-man demolition show. Yeah. (laughs) The point is that he will not make the other ramp and will just crash into the cars, and that's what the crowd is here to see. His name is Mr. Guts, uh, played by uh, John Duran, who... Who who does this guy look like? I don't know. This guy just looks like somebody working at a. Uh, uh, it looks very blue collar looking guy. Um, yeah, round face. Uh, you know, kind of. And he's very relatable. He only has one characteristic, and that is he is annoyed <laughs> by Gary Busey. <laughs> yes, that's his one characteristic. <laughs> I mean, there's a point when he, when he's, I'm about to lose it. I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna lose it on you. And I'm sitting there thinking, what did you expect? He's Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> and so Gary Busey is kind of in the Perman Waters role of the passenger <laughs> who's just too much. He's just too much mm-hmm. for the driver to take. Uh, except he's not playing guitar and trying to do radio broadcasts. He. He's the mechanic. He works with this guy. They they work with each other. Time. He's just a bit wild. He's yeah. uh, he refuses to pee in a bottle, and then when he does, he can't do it well. No, <laughs> well, Mister Guts is going to swerve all over the road intentionally to make him spill his pee pee into the car that they are sharing. That he'll have to sit in that seat later, twenty four hours straight. Yeah. Well, he's not called Mister Brains, is he? <laughs> But, okay, this is an important development in this is movie. I, I, I think it is. I think this is a first in our wacky. We've gone seven movies into the wacky race before the subject of needing to go to the bathroom or even needing to eat is addressed. Well, this is the first time we see characters eating in the car, right? That's right. Um, well, can, well, Cannonball... He said he's not stopping for shawarma to go to the bathroom. She should use the tube in the back. He does say that oh, at one point. Oh, you're right. But that's that's the extent of it. There's no, like, someone trying to do it. You know? But there's no, like, by the way, we need to eat during this yeah. 30-hour drive. Um, I mean, they'll stop at a gas station and have a fight amongst the Campbell soup cans. <laughs> Those legendary candles, Campbell soup cans. But we get some shots of people chowing down. And the, now, police, the police car gets more and more increasingly filthy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Now, I, I find this interesting. So in Brock Yates' Cannonball, uh, the book, he recounts his inventory on the very first Cannonball run, where it's just one car. It's, it's actually a van uh, driving cross country just as a test. And... Uh, and apparently this holds up in, in future iterations. All they brought to eat 
were uh, they brought some cheese. They brought some fruit, which they did not eat. They brought apples and oranges, which they did not eat and had to throw out the window before they went to California, crossed the border into California because yeah. they forgot that there was going to be a border check. All they ate on the entire drive were Hershey's bars, Mounds bars, and caffeine pills. <laughs> and drinking, drinking soda pop and Gatorade. Well, it's just junk food. All they had was junk food. The, that sounds the, like the me time, driving to college. <laughs> and apparently this is like on the second run, they do the same thing. So I, that's as far as I've gotten in the book. But, well, um, I, but yeah, so all we broke. see them eating is junk food in the movie. This movie is pretty faithful to the actual race. It's, it's kind of incredible that it's, it has yeah. no direct affiliation. It, it, do you think it's probably the most faithful of all the cannibal iterations we've seen? I take it. I have seen that commentary that this is the most realistic one. Right. It seems like. It. I mean, they did have the van that attempted the to, to, the large tank to never stop for gas. The Polish uh, driving, the Polish racing team, right. but they couldn't resist blowing yeah. it up <laughs> like immediately. Yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, there's no storyline there. There's a van. We hear a bit of dialogue that they've built the gas tank to so they wouldn't have to stop. Um, but it gets punctured. <laughs> uh, and immediately after, uh, somebody throws a cigar out the window of their car and You're ignites like... the trail of fuel. <laughs> and they try to outrun the fire, but run straight into uh, a fireworks store. A, a fireworks store. <laughs> Red Devil Fireworks. <laughs> I thought they and made ham. Lieutenant Frank Dremen stands out front yeah. and says, move <laughs> along, folks. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. I just got but my son it. into police squad. Oh, I, good. I yeah. tried earlier in life and it didn't work, but um, I got, I think the first and last episodes are the best, but I tried to get him through the first episodes and he wasn't getting the verbal wordplay, but I finally got him to like who's on first recently. Ah, yes. So then now I take him to that, you know, I shot tw- uh, twi- I shot twice once. That's my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I that's their that's my favorite bit of their wordplay is that scene. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I shot once, twice. I, I shot, shot twice one. Once. I, I shot twice. Uh, yeah. No, I shot once. So now you're changing your story. <laughs> <laughs> But again, I, I'll, I, I have a forum. I'm going to use it. I think the best written joke I've ever heard is uh, in the final episode, the last episode, sadly, where he's going undercover to stop the um, protection racket. Yeah. So he opens a locksmith's shop. Oh. Yeah. Right. And he, he shows up in the big boss's office. And the big boss goes, who are you? How'd you get in here? And he goes, I'm a locksmith. And I'm a locksmith. <laughs> uh, my other favorite is, uh, sorry, man, we would have come sooner, but your husband wasn't dead yet. <laughs> it should be inappropriate and not age well, but his long story about when she says... Do you know what it's like to live with a wonderful man for 14 years? No, I can't say that I do. I did live with a guy once for... And he goes to this long story <laughs> about a relationship that he had with a guy. And he goes, he went on, moved on, got married. 
Never cared. For- <laughs> got married, sent a nice gift, never got a note. <laughs> then he had this coach out there, lived with him for a year. <laughs> Wasn't the same. <laughs> that show's so good. Uh, well, speaking of that tenor of humor, it is surprising so far that we've had two van racing teams um, similar to the, the Polish race driving team of America, and nobody's going for the Polish angle. Nobody's yeah. doing any Polish ethnic humor. Nice. So, uh, I mean, I would like to see some Polish representation. Uh, you know, if we could figure <laughs> right. out how to make right. a Polish character work the way that an Italian character with tons of sex appeal works. They, these movies, and maybe just because of Ferrari being such a prominent place, place in, in racing, they are, they love the Italian, these movies love the Italian stereotype. Yeah. I mean, no, they do. We've they do. seen this constantly. And uh, I'm speaking as a Polish American who grew up attending the St. Stanislaus Polish picnic every summer in Michigan City, Indiana, um, where I heard all the best Polish jokes. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, yeah. You got to be on the I, inside for that. You want I, the good stuff. I, you know. I think there's got to be a way to do this where you do it right and it uh, is affectionate and loving. Uh, right. And so, so they they have to have a can make a, us all make us all proud. They have to have a van full of pierogies. I mean, <laughs> Polish men also like women with big breasts. Yeah. You know. Let's. Yeah. Come on. It's not just Italians. <laughs> Polish men yeah. also like to have sex. <laughs> really? Yeah. I got to write this down. <laughs> they just aren't as interesting to listen to talk when they talk about it. I think that's it. I think. Well, maybe if they just I think they shouldn't share. If they overshare if they, if they talk about it. Whereas it feels more natural in an Italian expression. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You can, so you can have the same lasciviousness, but in a if the amount of gesticulation and overexertion somehow carries it over into oh it's it's passion. Yeah, I mean, uh, like a hot-blooded Polak means like they're throwing furniture and getting into a fight or something. <laughs> I don't know, like. Had a few too many beers, getting a little wound up about their sports team. <laughs> That's my experience. What was that Jim Gaffigan joke where he says, "If you know, oh, he's got a Latin temper, but if uh, if I do it, it's like that guy's a dick." <laughs> <laughs> it's a story. Uh, it's a diversion. My. Uh, my grandpa used to tell the story about his father-in-law, um, who a uh, uh, notorious drinking problem, and he <laughs> he said, "Okay, Jim, I got to stop drinking." He would have said this in a Polish accent. He was a uh, first-generation immigrant. Said, uh, "If you ever catch me taking another drink, this is after my." My grandpa and grandma are married. So his father-in-law tells him, my great-great-grandfather, 
So that if you catch me with another drink, if you find another drink in my house, I want you to pour it down the sink. So he's over one time and he's in the, my great grandpa's basement and he sees his bottle of moonshine. And so he dutifully pulls out the cork and starts pouring it down the utility sink. And he said he saw his father-in-law grab a hammer and he ran, <laughs> he ran out of the house. Said I tore the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, he, he, you know, to be fair, he didn't say what he'd do to him when he did it. He just asked him to do it. Yeah, he didn't say what price would have to be paid <laughs> for right. this loyalty. That's right. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. No, well, let's go back to... Yeah, before I tell my favorite alcohol teams. joke, go ahead. Let's get it back on track. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have um, a couple of cops. We have a mm-hmm. couple of cops. They Jeez. are... Um, they are actual cops. We see them as Los mm-hmm. Angeles police officers in the beginning. And they... Enter the race, they get the gumball call, and it's not clear to me in this scene that they're both on the race team. I thought just the one was the racer and his partner didn't know about it. And it was like uh-huh. this thing he had to even hide from his partner. Gotcha. And that was like the comic tension. And so it was kind of a surprise for me when they both show up in New York, A. B, they show up in New York and they're talking about how they've wired a fake cop car so they haven't i mean i guess it makes sense that they can't drive their unit right from los angeles to new york and not expect any questions about right. where it went but how, how do they arrange all of <laughs> but they've rigged up a, a fake yeah. cop car and they have decals so that every time they cross the state line they can impersonate cops from that state and so they are i guess they are technically impersonating an officer during the whole time. And for most of the movie, they will just feel like two normal guys who are pretending to be cops. Right. Until the end. And and so they have misadventures. Cop One cop figures it out that they're not real cops, and they have to, they play the, hey, you're in a movie bit. Um, yeah. You're going to be a movie star, which is kind of a... Even in the this scene, it feels like a hoary old trope. I don't know. Maybe it, it did. It went on for a little too long. Although there must it have been a long time. There was one meta gag yeah. in it where um, the guy uh, Stephen Keats, who, yeah. who's one of the drivers, he is related in, to Stacy Keats. I'm guess I don't know who's a big guy who plays heavies in a lot of movies. If you look through the, these the guys, a lot of these guys like Smitty and this guy and a bunch of others, they all died in their forties. It's yeah. really sad because um, I li- I like a lot of these actors. Like this guy Stephen Keats kind of reminded me of like a of like a Timothy Oliphant type with um, with some uh, who's the lead in Blood Simple kind of thrown in. I don't know, uh, but this guy Stephen Keats was in Death Wish, I think, as um, his son as Charles Bronson's son-in-law. So when he goes up oh. to him and he says, "Does Charles Bronson wear makeup?" Charlie Bronson. Charlie Bronson. Charlie Bronson. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a meta moment there, I guess. 
Uh, but yeah. uh, he reminded me of Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Timmy Nolan, little Clancy Brown. Throw them both together. Yeah, um, the yeah the motorcycle cop was pretty good. He just had a lame part to play. Um, yeah, he was game. He was so. game. Um, so these fake cops, they get to the end. Uh, spoiler: they're um, when everybody hits traffic. On what are they on? Are they on the ten? Oh. In the four or five? Yeah, something like that. On? I was I thought of you during this scene. Thank you, thank you. Everybody hits traffic. <laughs> they have a huge competitive edge. Yes. They put on the lights. Everybody's got to get out of their way. Except for the stranded motorist who is losing his shit on the shoulder, wants to beat up every car that's passing and honking at him. Right. He's in a Volkswagen bug, and his wife, I think, is giving birth or is in labor in the car. And so to serve and protect, like duty comes first. And these guys, even though they're in position to win this race, they yeah. got to stop and do, they have to sacrifice. The I need a shorter name act. for this. They do the selfless rescue, the rescue trope. And this would have made me much happier. I think this whole storyline is better if they're not real cops. Yeah. Because, like, that made me... I was confused because I didn't think they were real cops because I slept through that part, apparently. And yeah. so I um, I was like, why are they pretending to be real cops now? Like, but they felt like they're in the position to do... And I thought, oh, the selfless act, yeah. And it makes sense That's because when they... funnier. When, when they get out of the car, it is funnier. You're right. It's like, but we're not real. But when they get out of the car... Knowing now that they are cops, now I'm like, oh, well, no, they actually have to because they're in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. They are technically not it's more of cops a wah, now. Wah, wah, right. You know. But at the same time, when they get out, they, they're, 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 they're both awful at it. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they didn't seem to have no training. So I was not surprised when I thought they were fake cops because I was like, you know, they, they don't know what to do. Their entire storyline is funnier if they're a couple of layabouts, losers, right? you know, deadbeats, but they come up with this play to act like cops, and over the course of driving cross-country, impersonating cops, they identify with them so closely that when they see the stranded motorists, they have to stop and help. And step up to the you role they, they are pretending to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. That would have been great. That's funnier. They, the whole reason they did this was to win this race, and now they've realized that, that like something else happened. You know, and then the one credits, of them wants to stop, they're... and the other one's like, are you crazy? And it's like, wait, what you going to do? And then the credits, they're filling out their police application. and <laughs> Something, <laughs> something, you know? Like like, and then like it's a character growth moment. Like, but, there's, right. I mean, like I said, this is an existential movie. There is no character growth. Right, no, there isn't. For anyone, that couple, maybe... No, they don't... Well, well, they've gone through some things. They went through and some... have learned some things about each other. Yeah. But even then, it's all undone by whatever their state is at the end, because it doesn't make any sense with anything we just saw before. But the cops, yeah. they... Um, uh, I think the reason they probably had them be real cops in the beginning was so that you could concentrate on the fun and... You know, write it off in your mind that they're not actually breaking the law. 
But they are. But they are. <laughs> they totally not, are. They're not Oklahoma cops. They it are did, not. No, it felt like a rewrite to me. It felt. It honestly yeah. felt like that scene was inserted. Like they were supposed to be fake cops, and then at some point they're like, "I we, don't know." Like we don't want people doing this, this. This movie is too outlaw, and so we we can't give people the idea that they can pretend to be cops. And I, I don't know. Yeah. Like I I have no I, no basis for that. It just if you would just change that opening scene so that they're not actual cops, the rest of the movie makes more sense to me. Their scenes make more sense yeah. to me and feel more right. And so um, that's the only reason I, in my head canon of the making of <laughs> the Gumball Rally, that, that, that that's what happened, that that was a reshoot. Um, but that's probably not what it is at all. You know, the, the movie I watched before Gumball Rally was... Uh, that I guess tired me out was uh, New Year's Evil, and something okay. that is really um, struck me that uh, I was listening to the New Year's Evil recap on with Gorley and Rust. My is uh, this a slasher movie? Yeah, well, well someone... it's a, it, it's supposed to be a slasher movie, but it, it it's not it's not what you expect because you don't uh, the the guy wears gloves and has disguises, so there. And he's planning things out. That's not really. That's not really a slasher. slasher. Don't wear gloves that's, unless it's one glove with knives attached. But otherwise, yeah, that's, no. That's a that's a serial killer type movie, right? It's a little different. A slasher. Anyway, Gorley. Uh, yeah, you know you're what right. I mean? that's, that, that's more of a, a guy because we're following him the whole time, watching him put on fake mustaches and kind of trying to get in places and stuff. And and this was discussed in in the the Gorley and Rust episode where they were okay. talking about this and the, and he brought up a really interesting point where they said slashers are kind of like I think Paul Rust said this slashers are kind of like the aristocrats, you know the beginning the middle and the end of the joke, and the the slasher movie is the same way you know what the setup and the middle and the end is going to be but why you go see it is to see how the pers- the the filmmakers play it. The details, right? yeah. I mean, that's 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 what we're actually there to see, and uh, so there's comfort in knowing. I know One how it begins argue. and ends. Whatever. Well, yeah, Cannonball Run movies might turn out to be might fit the very same, similar. very similar. Exactly. <laughs> the thing about these movies of this time period, because it was made around similar time period, and within about you know six seven years of each other, um, at this low rate, uh, like like this isn't this is a bigger studio picture, but like. You know, Canon films and and Carlico films and things of this uh, 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 nature, they're so low budget, they're not getting notes. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. They're like, they, they, and what's so exquisite about rewatching these movies of this time is you get weird scenes that seem, that would never make it in a movie these, nowadays that they just seem so pointless because they are. Yeah. <laughs> So there's nobody futzing. There's nobody. Like the threat of a gang rape scene in the middle of your comedy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody is like like saying maybe you shouldn't like in New Year's Evil. Maybe you shouldn't have a five minute scene of a girl going to a liquor store and buying liquor and walking out with the liquor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a procedural. <laughs> maybe it, that doesn't need to be there because there's no tension. There's no. New data. You're just padding out a 90 minute runtime, you know. So like, yeah. no one's there to like say, well, what is the motivation of this? No, no one's critiquing. No one's scrutinizing. So we get these 
weird oddball moments of like people aren't like this. <laughs> and, like this is alien behavior, you know. Um not a lot of that in this movie um so much, but it is no. kind of neat to see things of just like, yeah, we're just going to make a movie of just driving and cars and why not, you know. I mean, how yeah. how need him Stunt coordinator turned director, director who they will do someone's you're doing gonna look in the future, um, you know has that same kind of uh, you know surprising success at that of just we're just here to make a movie and have fun so let's just do it yeah <laughs> to better right. better or worse effect you know yeah it's a uh, free wheeling uh, if you'll allow me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's our cop friends. Okay. Then we have... We just passed the running time of the movie. Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> well, we had some... You yeah, had a yeah. trick on your black-eyed peas. Yeah. My uh, in, a, in a Porsche 911, before the phone number 911, hmm. I, I think that's a couple of years after this. Anyway. Oh, what? So 911 emergency didn't exist at this time? I think that gets rolled out. That a came out years later. In my lifetime? Wow. Jim, I didn't know that. Listener Jim, please email in and save us the quick Wikipedia search. <laughs> Let us know when we're wrong. Um, <laughs> save us the two seconds in- it would take. In the Porsche 911 is the is the girl team, but uh, Yay, the woman team. team. These are, oh, excuse me. I mean, these are attractive young women, but they are married. They have home lives. They are not, right? You know, in, in the past, we're well. We've had you know uh, our independent journalist in the in the great race, yeah. uh, Natalie Wood, and but the, in our, the unwilling uh, or the unintended parole officer in the 911. Yeah, but she wasn't an all-girl team. I right, mean, we've, we've had, you're right. You're sorry. We've had women mm-hmm. uh, passengers, but the, the the other girl team was just a bunch of waitresses who had no no interior <laughs> life or life outside of that van that we knew of. Because why write that? Yeah, um, uh, and they I- similarly existed just to drive. Right, um, uh, and that's. Maybe okay, but um, <laughs> here we have. So here we have Joanne Nail. Oops, sorry. Uh, the I'm just going to classify them. List so you can tell them apart. The brunette Joanne Nail is Jane Johnson, uh, and then Suzanne Flannery, uh, soap star, big soap star, as Alice. Um, so Alice is the Terry Gar looking one, and then yeah. the other one is the Elizabeth Shue looking one. Oh, okay, yeah, good call. Um, now we don't we don't have we see Terry Gar's. So we see Susan Flannery, you know, kiss her husband goodbye, say bye to the kids, make plans and leave. We don't know anything about the other one, about the Elizabeth Shue. That's one, true. Do we? And we're not going to learn. Again, this is not a movie where they're going to have <laughs> conversations about their wants and needs and pasts. And we're not going to learn. Except for, except for Trisha O'Neill and her aspirations yeah, to she's being the only an one actress. Which, again, makes um, her a little more compelling. Not that she needed it. Their dialogue, these two ladies, is all about the race. What route they're going to take. They're going over their CB lingo. This is our first CB radio. Yes, it is. Entry into the series. Uh, I don't even know if you see them use it, but 
they're running down the the CB lingo for different types of cops. Right. Bear in the air is traffic helicopter. Local yokel is city police, um, et cetera, et cetera. Must have been asleep. They they seem the most <laughs> technical team in terms of like we see them consulting maps and like doing math and like calculations and stuff. Yeah. Um, they're just like they're just serious racers. It's pretty awesome. They're not they're in a pretty awesome car. Uh, so that when a couple of local yokels who are not local police, but a couple of you know shit kickers bored yeah. on a Saturday night. Um, this was an unfortunate scene as well. I thought bored of the window washing lady giving them a little. Put him on the glass. That she's was kind of funny. That was kind of funny. It was kind of funny. So she's a bit older <laughs> than them. These are, you know, these are a couple of young bucks, but they're just hanging out in their convertible. And then an older lady working at a diner. I don't know what. She's like washing the window and she's she's putting them on the glass. She's trying to get their attention. She's letting them know she's open for business. <laughs> And like like a lot of people in these movies do, they just sit there and bob their head. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. no, they're not. No, they're not doing that. They're acting like they've both ridden that bicycle a few times and they're <laughs> ready for a new set of wheels. That's what they're. Uh, the driver. That's what certainly. their dialogue. That's a subject to their dialogue that they're bored. If, if if I and that they're bored of her, they're bored of of fucking this lady. They're looking for <laughs> different ladies to fuck. Didn't didn't the driver say, "I'm tired of beer," <laughs> or "I'm bored of beer"? <laughs> what is that? What he said? Okay, I missed the word beer. I thought I thought they were implication was they were talking about her. No, I, I, maybe, maybe she did, but I, I could have sworn he throws the beer can out the window. And goes, "I'm tired of beer." That's like a kick. It's a funny thing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can unlike, totally see. Not unlike our racers. Right? Yeah. They also want to escape their world. They just haven't been creative enough to think of a coast-to-coast exactly. coast rally. So uh, instead, they're, they're cruising, and they spot our, our lady team. And they're, now they're the ones chasing tail. This is the tail chasing in the movie besides Franco. But we're going to get to Franco. We're going to get back to Franco. We have to finish. We have to finish. To like, like many ladies before us. We're going to finish with Franco. <laughs> well played, sir. Guys pull up alongside and they're like, hey, they're trying to, I don't know, they're showboating. They're doing exactly the kind of thing that actually works for some guys. What? And uh, uh, like, I don't know, like the kind of showboating that guys do to attract girls, young guys. You to attract young girls. Like, like I'm hey. acting like a complete jackass for you. Uh, so that, yeah, that means like something. I'm willing to make a, a fool of myself for you, right? And I'm also trying to impress you and show some some form of manhood uh, without quite whipping my dick out and showing you how big it is, or toppling but, out of my open door onto the <laughs> road behind me. Yeah, I mean, it's the equivalent of, like, hopping onto a bucking Bronco yeah. to impress a girl, right? Like, I, right. you know, I can tame this automobile. I can lean out this car and show how fearless I am. 
um, I'm a stud, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, lady driving the car, our brunette, she's like, she's, she wants to flex. So she's going to flex back and right. tease. So she, she doesn't have to play this card. And so I want to, I'm curious on your thoughts on the, the moral implications here. She says, like, if you can catch me, you can have me. She throws out this sexual gauntlet. Right. Throws this out, challenge. throws down. Yeah. It says, if you can catch me, you can have me sexually. It's disingenuous, but she throws it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. She, you know, words have meaning, and she chooses to use those words. <laughs> she does. She's like, um, I, she goes, I want them to, I want them to fail. I want them to see how much power, more powerful we are than them. Yes. Uh, and I have confidence in that. So I'm going yes. to throw out something I would never want to do. <laughs> right. Uh, she but, dangles a possibility that uh, she, she writes a check that she does not playing, want to cash. Playing hard moment. to get is not going to get them to chase her. And, uh, well, no, it does. They definitely do chase her. Well, no, I'm saying playing, if she didn't throw that down, they weren't going to like try to catch up. Maybe. I don't know. They she could have just she could have just peeled rubber and yeah. she could have just left them in her dust and cackled all the way. And but she thought it would be she was trying to get a little more satisfaction by uh, teasing them first. So she she peels away and guess what happens? Guess what happens? Engine trouble, side of the road, and like her friend is not happy. Okay. Yeah. Because now now they're there's in two of them and there's two of us. And you've promised yourself to them. I haven't promised anything. And there's two of them. And so statistically, we're going to both end up in the trunk of their car. We can. <laughs> this is. We, you know, I don't <sighs> think there's much. I mean, you know, her words are not binding. No. But she did. They shouldn't be. But at this time, they, that's and, the case that would be made. And, and, but, but I. I'm now I'm in the passenger seat. I didn't promise anything. I didn't make that challenge. And now you've, you've put me in that position with your mouth. Yeah. Um, and so when the men catch up, <laughs> they're like, so, uh, I guess I caught you after all. Um, and they're just like shrinking behind the steering wheel, like, uh, rolling their eyes and we cut. Right. And we don't come back to them till the next day. Next day, Blonde is upset. Uh, let me get their names. Susan Flannery, Alice, is upset. Alice. Alice is upset. She's like, I can't believe you put me in the position where I had to do that. I had to sub- submit myself sexually to a stranger that I was not... Be, uh, 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 otherwise under threat of rape implied, you know, under under the danger of rape, I had to give myself willingly to a guy because you said we would. Um, and Jane, played by Joanne Nail, and I don't think of what is a bad performance. No, it's a terrible scene. It's just... It's, it's not a terrible a- scene, but she's kind of saying, I actually thought he was sweet. I actually, yeah. I actually liked it. Yeah. Now, watching this as a viewer, 
I don't believe from her performance from the night before, from the previous scene, that when she issued the challenge, there was any... The possibility wasn't in her mind that he is going to catch me, and I'm only saying this because I would actually sleep with him. Right. That is a possibility, right? It's, it's like a the possibility. scene could be directed that way. She actually says, you know, he's kind of cute. I would, but we have a race to do. Right. So see you, suckers. I'm going to tease him. And then, for fun. especially when the car breaks down and she's like, oh, no. I mean, yeah. that's. Yeah, she's like, oh, shit. Like they're gonna they're they're headed here right now. I mean, and she doesn't said, turn to her and go win win, you know. <laughs> so we don't see like you know we know we know from the dialogue that they do it in a field off the road under the stars. I missed that, I guess, because I thought it was still up in the air as to whether I thought they were playing pretty coy with the dialogue. But I guess though, they guess that no, happened. Huh? Uh, Susan Flannery says that like I never it wasn't my idea to. I don't know, as if like doing it under the stars was the worst part of it. <laughs> it's oh, kind yeah. of a peculiar line. But uh Well again, like, this is the movie tried to say, come on, women, just <laughs> you don't be so uptight about this stuff. <laughs> don't be so uptight about, you know, having sex against uh your will. Well, don't don't worry about it. I mean, it's definitely that's the case for for Alice, for Susan Flannery, for the the blonde, but yeah. you know the one who wasn't driving. But the one who's driving, you know, I mean, a sex positive take is she is like, well, this guy is cute. I might as well enjoy this. That's also a Bobby Knight so, take. <laughs> a what? A bu- that's also a Bobby Knight take. If you're going to get raped, lay back and enjoy it. You know. Well, it's not. That's not cool. You know. I mean, you're right. I see what you're saying. The sex you're, positive, the sex I'm, I'm positive saying take. It, it doesn't have to. It, it's like she, it's not rape if she decides it's not rape. exactly. And like it, you know, she it, has the power to determine that she wants to have sex with this guy. I, I am going to. Yeah, it's it's like you know, circumstances. You know, I'm in this context, and you know what? I would welcome this. Okay, that's the that's that's completely possible. Yeah, this is another adventure. This is another Just, adventure. You know. The 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 and so that would be the, the sex positive take on it. The problem that I have with it is because knowing the era that we're in, knowing what I've seen of this movie so far, and everything else, it seems to me just another thing of, um, you know, like I look I look back at Revenge of the Nerds. I loved Revenge of the Nerds as a growing up. I think I still kind of like it. But then there, that has the scenes like, like you know, the one guy has sex with um, the sorority girl because she thinks he's her boyfriend. Yeah, that's definitely that's, that's rape. That's, that's rape. That's <laughs> and yeah, then that's when she definitely finds having out, sex with someone against their will. And then when she finds out, she's like first mortified, but then when she realizes, wait, that nerd can have sex. I guess I like him now. You know? That's almost worse um of a, you know, kind of implication to put out there, I think. And so like so that's what I was seeing here in this thing is like the writers going, I've set this up and I don't want any, you know, we're just trying to say, look, because she had sex with this guy, she's like um rewriting it in her head or like 
try look no it was all fine because it he was cute it wasn't like he was gross he was cute and like that's dangerous to me you know that's that sounds really it's pretty it's pretty cringy it's very cringy you have to do a lot of work to make it okay and then the fact that the other the other the other alice <laughs> is like just perturbed yeah for her it's <laughs> definitely bad I'm like she's uh, she's not happy before she's not happy after she didn't ask for any of this she is she yeah she is right she did not sign up for one bit of this um she's in a dangerous situation it's so weird because I didn't when I think about the movie I don't think about all this stuff I think about the positive vibe and then there's all this shit in here you know it's it's yeah. weird. Well, that's the seventies for you. Yeah, uh, and yeah. <laughs> I wish it's not just the seventies. Sadly, right? No, it's it's not going to get better <laughs> in this series. <laughs> no, it will not get better. So, uh, yeah, no, and I wasn't saying. I apologize if I sound like I was like trying to categorize you into something earlier. I was just um, like. This this scene really bothered me, and I'm glad I guess I missed most of it because I was skipping around to try to like get context and stuff. And um, but yeah, this scene really bothered me uh, more from you know um, not not Alice but the other one, the brunette's point of view. I um, mean, it's a funny. No, it's a, it's a Jane. It's a the, them them their engine stopping and getting put in the situation. Like, that's something you can put in a comedy, but then you show the funny way that they get out of it. Right. You see the funny way you get out of it. Because then, and again, this is another thing where you've got, um, have we seen, have we seen a, 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 an Argo team in one of these movies where their their entire, well, maybe not their entire, their majority to entire uh, experiences in the movie is something related to their Gender or sexuality, you know. Excuse me. Pardon me. Um, I mean, here we in Gumball Rally, they're introduced very well, or at least they're not introduced like the girl doctors and the women doctors in the uh, jaunty jalopies <laughs> with the overcranking and the high pitched. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but right. uh, uh, they're women, you see. Um, but then they're kind of in the same kind of. We're here to be like, oh, so not only. I mean, this, the same thing with Marcello in in Johnny Jalopies is like she's she's taken into a room against her will in her nighty, and then the next day she loves him. It's just creepy. And yeah. the same thing here is like now she's trying to rewrite. It read to me, and maybe it's just because I'm like tra- kind of trauma focused. <laughs> is that? Yeah. I'm looking at her going, she's rewriting the experience in her head to make it okay. Yeah, that's very, yeah. I but, mean, that's the most likely, I mean, if we're trying to paint this with the realist brush. Right. If we're trying but to I look also, at it, it, what, like, what, if this would really happen, what that scene would mean. Exactly. But I yes. know that's not what this movie's trying to do. This movie if is we're, trying to be light and fun and be like, mm, you made me have sex with a guy. And like yeah. she's like, oh, but he was cute, right? So it's all good, guys. Yeah, we're kind if of you reversing rape us, roles. We're going to be doing this now. You're you know? usually the one more focused on authorial intent, and I'm more focused yeah. on the way that the scene reads. And <laughs> exactly. we've we've switched places we switched. here. We've funny. done that a lot in this series, if you've noticed that. 
This series has done this to us. Well, that's Ooh. A... <laughs> we, freak, we freaky Friday'd our... Because uh, also, if you've noticed, I was always the one bringing box office, bringing the authorial intent, seeing what, you know, all the other things done, and then you were experiential and thematic, and I'm now... You're the one bringing the box office report. You're the one bringing... It's really interesting, I think. Maybe it's the miniseries context, because I... I'm I'm trying to see these movies now as part of a pattern, right. whereas tip in a typical episode, I would just try to see it as its own standalone thing. And I'm still very fast interested in seeing where this is all going for you in your head. Like what 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 will we see? What picture will be painted with this data at the end of it? I mean, we have our epic phase and we have our outlaw phase. Yep. And I don't I don't know what. The next phase is going to be called, and when exactly we're going to enter it. Well, we'll find out when we get there. Yeah, boy, that the, that'd be a good way to end the episode. The but... ramshackle, yeah, it would be, but we still got a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, okay, we got to move faster. We have, okay, we got to get to this guy. Um, <laughs> Lapchick, Lapchick, Lap the yeah. Hungarian. I, I, this whole we've been talking for this long, and this whole time I've been going, oh, we're going to talk about this stupid motorcycle driver. Yeah, <sighs> the most perplexing. Part of the movie, I think. Yeah. Uh, yes. Agreed. <laughs> so, so he's inter- we first meet him at the secret meeting. Yeah, we don't get any he intro. Doesn't, doesn't he get doesn't an get intro. an intro scene. He's just there, and he's this weird guy who, for some reason, is looking very intensely at everybody else, and with no setup or payoff, decides emphatically to change seats, <laughs> to slant to, to to basically. You know, be uh, cause a stir, slam his hands down, take his name tag, go to the end of the thing, the table, throw the other name tag away after checking it and setting it down. And I have no co- idea what motivates that or what effect it's supposed to have on me, the viewer. <laughs> I'm it's guessing just a, he's just a peculiar person. I'm, and in that peculiarity, and again, another thing that is, I think, emblematic of the time. You set up somebody who's strange and different, and therefore we can laugh at him getting nearly killed in accident after accident after accident after accident. But it's just that's a weird way to set him up as strange is to have right. him do something inexplicable, but not even like comical. There, there's no internal logic to it. Yeah. The, it now, doesn't clash with anything that else is happening. It's just. Now, uh, I guess he wanted to sit at the end. Okay. <laughs> And his intensity, um, okay, let me, let me ask you this. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll not take it back. Let, let, let's talk about him a little bit more before I pose that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so so he, he, he's so this there. This is our first motorcycle entrant in one of these races. Exactly. So he's, so which means he's going solo. Yeah. But it doesn't have to mean that. I mean, we've had Gert Frobe in the sidecar of a runaway Motorcycle and those <laughs> magnificent men and their flying machines, but that's that was during favorite. the long, long <laughs> rehearsal right. stage, right? The before the race Mission started. Prep. This is his. This is his race strategy: is to drive a Kawasaki motorcycle, which is exhausting if you're solo yeah. cross country. Right? Um, he's bug-eyed. It's a almost entirely wordless performance. Yeah. This. Feels like it's trying to be a throwback to silent slapstick movies. That's what I thought. But A, 
it's not clear. It's not, this doesn't feel like a homage to any particular thing, just kind of a vibe. Yeah. B, the gags aren't good. No, no. And C, the movie acts like they've got the next, they found the next Peter Sellers, and like this guy is going to, this is like their comedy yeah. ringer who is going to have people talking about this movie and coming back for more. Right. And they don't. Yeah. It, 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 it comes off just looking like an anti immigrant stance. Really? Because he's well, actually he, called the Hungarian something. Well, he's not an immigrant. He lives in Hungary. He just he's just touring. <laughs> the mad lap chick, the mad Hungarian. He's called. Yeah, and he's got his name on his helmet mm. with a with a big yeah. arrow. Yeah, and I, I submit to you, how do you think that this movie would have played if instead of uh, Harvey Jason playing him, it was Gonzo? <laughs> that would be amazing because gonzo, now all the gags work now they yeah, all work now they all work because gonzo comes in who's obsessed but not like his haplessness makes him indestructible <laughs> this guy looks like his tinsel strength is about to snap at any moment and um, it, it just reeks of tragedy <laughs> and, and, and danger and whatever. Whereas if it was Gonzo, we, all the, you're right, all the gags would work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I've, I've, I guess I'm the first one to bring up it's a mad, 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 mad world. I thought you were going to when you played the trailer because oh, they— Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll the, get to in that. In that trailer, they call it—oh, we're going to get oh, to no, that. Oh, no, well, okay. it's in the trailer. They li- we can play it later. They literally say, drop it in. It's a mad, 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 mad world on wheels. They literally say, it's, it's a, a mad, 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 mad world of racing. No, they, they say, it's a mad, 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 mad world on wheels. Mm. Which is right. Funny thing because it's a mad, 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 mad world is mostly on wheels. Mostly on wheels. I mean, the plane had wheels too. So it's a strange qualifier to make. <laughs> well, when the plane is flying, a ma- it's not on. It's a mad, 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 mad world with a box of money. <laughs> yeah, it was that too. But, but without money, they're not without racing money. for money. Exactly. There's no, not a dime. No glory. No headlines. Mm. So Lapchick crashes, uh, gets through more a billboard. More, through a billboard. This is why I brought up it's a mad, 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 mad. Hoppers so frog legs. I'm oh, sorry. We have our second going through a billboard, and this time there's a joke on the billboard. There's a bit of irony as to which billboard he goes through. It well, says, next time, take the train. Oh. <laughs> and it's a more impressive stunt. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to... I didn't think I'd have to go here. But, you know, we have two guys on ladders. And so he doesn't just go right through the billboard. He goes right between the two ladders. Yeah. And so, like, those two guys are at risk. And, um, and get hurt. And they fall off. You know. That's the best lap check moment of, it of is. the movie. It is. Because you, you see him. The, the, the hit, going into the tree doesn't work. Whatever he gets splattered with doesn't work. And then he ends up. He shows. Oh, he it. runs into a bunch of bugs. <laughs> He goes through a flock of bugs. But all we see is the splattered dead bugs on him. We don't see right. any live bugs. 
There's no setup. He crashes on top of a car and gets beat up. Or threatened to be beaten up. He gets doored. He gets doored. That's right. Yeah, that's what takes him out of the race. Because he's also, once the cops, cops can get through traffic with their lights. He can get through traffic because right. he, can go between, he can go between the lanes. But he gets doored. Shout out. And, if you, uh, for, you Barry, beat up. for you Barry fans out there, I was, I was watching that scene going, God, I wish I was watching Barry uh, 710 East episode. That had a very terrifying motorcycle between, or terrifying, but also great and hilarious and lovely. If you if you aren't what have you have you watched Barry? No, you, you should. No. You really should. It's I mean it's it's a show that starts out as a comedy with uh, with darker elements, and then just out over the course of a couple of few seasons, season three I think is the the most recent season, whichever one it is. There's no jokes. It's all drama. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's still being you know winning best comedy awards but it's like no there's no jokes in this anymore it's it's oh. just serious now. like it's a mad 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 world okay no, sorry i had to <laughs> that's okay. i had to take that's that all one. right that's all right but um but it's brilliant it's utterly brilliant it's one it's it's certainly one of the best shows i've ever seen and there is a i think emmy award-winning uh, Bill Hader directed a episode, I think called Seven Ten East or Seven Ten North, but on the freeway, and yeah, it's incredible. And I was thinking about it this whole time with him going through the cars, and oof, mm. yeah. And they do something in that that I've always wanted to do in a, in a movie, and they do it brilliantly. Uh, check it out. Anyway, okay. Lapchick has one moment that's very important. And this is our first mooning in the series. Oh, yes. He looks to the side. He's passing a station wagon, looks to the side. And what do my, what do my wondering eyes do appear? As a butt sticking out the rear window, the, the side, you know, backseat window. But not just a butt sticking out. Right. There's something else happening. Yeah. And I... I need I need a technical read on this. I'm not a connoisseur of mooning. Neither have I, but I have thoughts on this, believe it or not. I'm I'm in a weird reverse aging position where similarly to how one is supposed to get more conservative as they get older and I find myself getting more liberal, more progressive as I get older. Yeah. Similarly, when I was young, I thought mooning was stupid and more embarrassing for the person doing it than the one being mooned. Completely. As I get older, I find mooning more and more funny. <laughs> and this is the funniest moon I've ever seen. <laughs> this was my other biggest laugh of the movie. Because what the person isn't just mooning him. They're sticking their hand through yeah. their own crotch. Right. And they're doing something which at first I saw as like slapping their own butt from below as kind of like... Uh-huh. Doing like an Indian war cry on their own butt. <laughs> right. But then going back, like there's not slapping sounds happening. So no. they're either waving to him or they're like jiggling their own balls. Mm. And this isn't a form of mooning I'm familiar with. And I was just wondering, you know, as a rural Indiana boy... Mm-hmm. Maybe when you were in between games of mailbox baseball and cow tipping. I knew you were going to say cow tipping. (laughs) 
maybe this is a way that you saw people entertain themselves and you could help me out here. I don't think I've seen that many moons in my real life. I've seen them way more in movies. Okay. Well, you've seen many more movies than I have in... The one that comes lots to of, the, lots the, of eighties comedies feature mooning. The one that comes to mind is the sure thing. Uh, okay. that's the one that comes to mind when Tim Tim Robbins has picked up John Cusack and Daphne Zuniga, and they uh, they're talking about her being uptight, and someone's passing them and mooning, and John Cusack thinks it's hilarious, and no one else does, and he barbs her about it, so she gets upset, and so she flashes them back. Okay. To show that, which which makes them the That's Tim Robbins the, the get ul- the ultimate revenge. The ultimate, exactly. It never made sense to me. It's like <laughs> these guys were jerks oh, to shit. you and mooned you. So what do you do? Give them the best view they've ever had in their life. What? What uh, the fuck? <laughs> show me your tits. <laughs> exactly. Make it, which of this, course this won't stand. <laughs> Let's get him. <laughs> Uh, so then Tim Robbins kicks them out, which strands them, which leads to the rest of the road movie and them being on the road. Anyhow, um, so I have some thoughts on this. In in my mind, thinking about the cinematic moons I've ha- seen, I'm thinking about when you see butts in movies, they're they're like super tight. They're like like the, the cheeks are like clamped together. Well, they're pressing up against glass. Well, not maybe. just there, but I mean in other movies because they don't you know you, you don't want to. Do too much movement to where you'd see like anus or anything. Yeah, they're not looking tea. for that, right? Yeah. Right. So you got, and also they're trying to hide the, you know, seeing, seeing your nethers, you know, uh, from, from other angles. They're trying to keep a PG rating. Trying to keep yeah. a PG rating, right. So here's yeah. what, when I saw that and I thought, oh, I never thought about that as a kid, that when you, in movies, when people are mooning people, what do they do with the balls? They're going to be seen. So when I saw that really strange, I'd never seen that before either, the, the hand back there, my first thought was, well, they're trying to keep a PG rating, so he's covering, he's just shielding his balls. That's all he's doing. He's hiding from the camera. Yeah, yeah. But then... But... <laughs> the motion he's making... Yeah. Should have, I think, gotten it an X because... <laughs> <laughs> because in my mind, I could be wrong, but in my mind, it looks like he's pointing like in to inside his butt, into like, his like, butt. Come hole. here, come here, come in here, come in here. That's what it looked like to me. Like he was pointing hey, in here, buddy, and look I, at it. Look I noticed at it. <laughs> unlike every other movie, the 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 cheeks weren't tight. <laughs> So it was like, oh. By the way, I'm really glad we turned the recording back on for this. <laughs> but yeah, no, we couldn't miss this one. <laughs> but so yeah, I, I I think it was a logistical camera shielding uh, for ratings uh, for ratings. But he system. had him. He was moving his hand, but he's moving the hand, which made it so much worse. Yeah, <laughs> Just... and funnier. It made it so much funnier. But again, this is another one. I'm only one. mooning people with that technique from but, now on. But now it's like a, you, if you catch me, you can have me. It's the same problem as the Porsche girl. Because <laughs> he's pointing inside. I don't think he's pointing. I think his fingers are together. He's sl- either slapping or jiggling or s- waving. I don't know what. But this question of whether this is a, a, a mooning technique that's out there and other people do it. This is one question where... 
frequent listener Jim will not have the answer. <laughs> well, I'm but I, frequent I, listener Levi may. <laughs> Well, I'm sure if... So, if, so I if, think there's one spot where Jim does not know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, see, here's the thing. Do you think Jim is going to be, like, rattled by this? By, like, offended that, that we made such a suggestion? Or is he going to agree? Like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Well, if he does know, he's going to let us. He's gonna, He'll let us know. Yeah. Um, he will not be shy I'm about sure, it. I'm sure there's a Reddit thread you could find on Mooning Techniques. Like R slash moon. <laughs> Maybe there's a poster, like facial hairstyles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shows you how like, to... The techniques, like this means this, and this means this. This is a waxing gibbous. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that mean? Well, I'm judging by the hairiness, there wasn't much waxing. No, that was a waning, it was a waning gibbous. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I I can't say that I my aging has made me more pro mooning than not, uh, but <laughs> and it's a big but, but because uh, I, I I can't because yeah the the same complication arises. It's like what what is what am I actually am I just trying to create chaos and or embarrassment for the person who's now looking at a butt or. Am I inviting, not inviting, but like, am I, am I trying to claim a lawlessness or a, or some sort of dominance over the area by doing it? It always seemed more demeaning, like you said, more demeaning to the mooner than to the moonie, but, uh, yeah, um, it's like, cause it's, you know, depansing somebody is embarrassing to them. But you've chosen to depense yourself <laughs> to embarrass them. And the phrase, you showed me your ass, means... You made a fool of yourself. You made a fool of like yourself. You, yeah. yeah. So is this like claiming the fool mantle as a source of power? Is it? A, I'm, what I'm trying to ask is, is mooning someone a power move? <laughs> trying to deconstruct it, mooning. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit like... We should publish a book called Deconstructing Mooning. By Paul Mooney. (laughs) Forward by Paul Mooney. (laughs) You know, you've made me think about people's bare butts way more than I should have thought of on any any Sunday night. Now I'm going to be really thinking about what does mooning actually mean. Time to go to confession. (laughs) On the Sabbath of all days. (laughs) On the Sabbath. Uh, I forgot to mention when drawing the parallel between Gary Busey and uh, Perman, uh, that Gary Busey plays the harmonica at one point. Yeah. That's what pushes Mr. Guts over the edge, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, well, what pushes him over the edge is driving on two wheels and flipping over. Um, (laughs) It's also our first one where we see them popping pills to stay awake. It's implied we hear about it in... (laughs) cannonball but we actually see them do it You're right because in death race 2000 he keeps a mound of sleeping pills next to him not not, not uppers not uppers yeah. sleeping pills yeah which he hides under his accelerator pedal 
It's all backwards. Uh, Frankenstein. Knackered. All right. Laugh check. Um, we have a couple of old guys. A couple of old gentlemen. <laughs> Again, could have been out of the movie. Wouldn't have mattered. But, no, uh, right. Except it's just fun that a couple nice. of old guys who like driving fast, but not too fast. They think uh, hmm. Laptrick drives too fast. Yeah. <laughs> this is like th- these two guys cemented for me. Like in the beginning, they're at their golf club or their hunt club or whatever it is. And they're like in their little sports car. Uh, what, the Barney and Andy. Uh, in our Mercedes-Benz 300 SL, I don't know, a little silver convertible. They tear out of this parking lot like uh-huh. little old ladies have to dodge out of the way. Um, and they show up at the secret meeting and they're like, hey, we're here. Um, and then they're doing the cross-country thing and they show up like way after everybody else at the end of the race. And they're just like, we made it. Hey, they're just like totally happy. <laughs> exactly. It's lovely. To get to the finish line. And then they just join the party. Like they don't give a shit. They weren't ever trying to win. Right. They just wanted to run the race. And like, that's the spirit. Like they <laughs> embodied the spirit, the spirit of, the of the movie more than anybody to me. You're probably, yeah, uh, I would agree. Cause they're just jolly the entire time. Like it's fun to be with my friend in a car <laughs> driving across the country. <laughs> Going and in fast. some cases, sticking up higher than any part of the car, just are me and my friend. <laughs> yeah, um, and oh. one of these guys does a lot of cartoon voices. J. Pat O'Malley. Oh, he's uh, he's in Jungle Book. He's in a few Disney movies, um, and he's got a great face. He, he's yeah. definitely a guy I've seen in other things. Um, I should have called him out. Oh yeah, he's um, the Colonel. Or Colonel Hathi in the Jungle Book. He's probably yeah, he, the yeah. The, yeah, he's an elephant. Um, he uh, he's one of the penguins in Mary Poppins. So he's got a great voice. We should have we should have called him out in our cast roll down. Okay. Um, then we got the van people who we don't really meet as characters. They the, van the van people, right? The we people driving the Corvette, we never see their faces. The cor- white Corvette that does that oh, uh, yeah. stunt at the very beginning where the cold car gets cut in half. We okay. never see their faces, I don't think. Maybe one no. guy. This is one of the, there's, there's several times in this movie, but this is the most prominent. They, they jump this ramp over a construction site. It leaves, lands, splits in half. Pretty incredible stunt. Yeah. A construction guy runs up to them and says, pretty funny line. Says, <laughs> it's a pretty funny line. You know there's a hole back there? Yeah. And someone in the car says, no shit. <laughs> but we don't get a, there's no reaction shot. Yeah, we there's don't so see many, their face. Yeah. There's so many scenes in here where, based on the joke, from a humor perspective, you expect the reaction shot and you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. And it's I wondered, is that, like, is that strictly a budget thing? Yeah, that might or, have been ADR. <laughs> Let me throw that in later. <laughs> That might have just been an ADR thing. Was is that like a failure of the direction? Like I felt like at a bunch of times I should have got one more angle in a scene I didn't get. Um, but like we said, this has got a higher, much higher budget than the Roger Corman movies, mm-hmm. and they're actually doing a lot of New York location shooting. Even yeah, though once did. again, their storyline wise, they don't skip the Midwest. They actually say they're in Illinois. They're clearly shooting in 
the American Southwest. <laughs> Maybe that's the Sierra Nevadas we're seeing in the distance. Yeah. Um, but we get quite a bit of New York City. They drive through Times Square. We see Jaws on the marquee yeah. as they're racing through Times Square. Um, so, so that was refreshing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 I just I, there was a bunch. I, I just felt like co- it was a cockpitty kind of show movie. Cockpitty. I don't. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a place to go with this. <laughs> I'm just going to repeat myself at this point. It was a cockpit. It, it, yeah, it's like it's like a you are there driving type of show, but but it's lacking in somehow, right? Is that what you're going to try to say? There's something missing. There's something. There's something unsophisticated about the way it's directed. Yes, I mean it's it's it feels raw. It's it's mat. Yeah, you're right. It's matter of fact. It's just like yeah. yes, we're watching them drive. Now we're watching this wreck. Now we're watching. Um, <laughs> these girls be threatened with rape, and now we're watching. The, and none of it feels any more important than the other, you know. Which is interesting because you got the Corvette being jumped and breaking in half. I think and, the I think the threatened rape scene. I think the well, biker rape scene is definitely directed like it's more important. That, that's <laughs> it, okay. It, it feels answer. genuinely threatening. Like it's well, yeah, yeah. It's not treated I, lightly. Because uh, I would disagree with you there. Oh, I, 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 you're, you're free to, but we're it's, disagreeing. <laughs> it's treated lightly in the sense of, hey, isn't this fun? A banker biker gang is going to try to rape and kill these people. At least, that's oh, good the, lord, I don't think it's direct. It's just I, I, like I think it was, all. and I, I mean, it, I'm not saying they achieved it because I was like, I really don't want to be watching this right now. Um. But I, th- I think that that was the intent of the sequence was to be like, oh, yeah, isn't this? And like, uh, I really no. don't like that. I really don't like I, that. I think the bikers are totally depicted as being threatening. and that. Oh, yeah. No, no. They're, I'm not saying they're not threatening. But I'm saying that I, I, I do not think that the filmmakers take rape as a with the gravitas that they should. I mean, I mean, with the, with the, they don't, I don't think they view it as, as, as big a deal as they should, I guess, to put it mildly. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you mean. I honestly don't like, it's not like, Oh, this is just the bikers having some fun. (laughs) This is like the bikers have decided they're going to terrorize these people. Right. And it is terrifying. The most effective part being is when she's trying to get a Coke and they are like, all like, like they're circling around, circling and around, pinching and her butt, but they're you know they're menacing her. They're menacing the guy in the car, like the guy who keys the car and then like is on the hood, like shaking his fist, yeah, yeah. like he's depicted like a monster. Like you know, I don't know. This isn't like ogre in Revenge of the Nerds. Like no, you know, I I don't. I, yeah, like, no. this is more. This is more like you know the hills have eyes or something. Like this is like they're. I, I, this is a horror scene. I think it's directed like one. I mean, it should be. In my, <laughs> I think it should be. Um, and it also shouldn't be in the movie if it's done correctly. Well, what it's doing in the movie is a different yeah. question. I mean, I have my reaction to it. I'm having what I feel, and 
that's always augmented when I see that the person delivering this experience to me is like not seeing it as, as like they're saying, this is gross and bad, right? I'm like, no, it's way worse than what you're presenting to me as, you know? So I don't know. I don't know that there was, uh, it's still, I, I, I didn't, I didn't trust the hands I was in. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I had my, my reaction to it and I, I didn't feel like the, the filmmaker was thinking the same way. So, which is always kind of oof, when it comes to things yeah. like this. Why they thought they needed that scene in this movie is, I, that's my point. I, it's like, but that's like, different from how the, the scene itself is directed. Right. Well, yeah, I guess. I think we've covered everybody. Oh, no. There's the very silly Jaguar team. Somebody doesn't like Jaguar cars because they make a big point that it's a Jaguar. The Jaguar team. That never starts. Right. The car doesn't start. They spend the entire race stuck in the garage trying to figure out how to fix this car. And they decide it's terminal. Well, we can't have two drivers who have pipes, you know, or smoking a pipe. We can only have one. And there were two, you know, we have the professor guy in the Cobra and then the other guy in the, in the uh, Jaguar. And, you know, we just can't have two people on the road with pipes. That's just that's all there is to it. I, didn't, I don't make the rules. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right, let's get back to Franco. Let's get back to our main cars. Franco, Smitty, they, uh, Michael, have, and God, what's his name? Uh, the professor. <laughs> oh, Professor Sam, Professor Samuel Graves. Without uh, Marianne. Okay, Smitty meets Franco at the airport. They mm-hmm. share a big hug. They're happy to see each other. Uh, Franco's already taking note of the loveliness of the ladies in the airport. He's already, he's already got his blood up. When he walks into the garage, before he gets to the garage, we get a love scene. <laughs> lot of, right. this is our most T and A focused movie. And it has no nudity. Well, no, that's not true. When Smitty yeah. jumps off the balcony, uh, yeah, there's his... a topless lady who you see from a very long shot. You don't really see anything. Uh, but she's she's sunning topless in the raft in the pool. Okay. By the time the camera gets down, she's already tilting over into the pool. right? Yeah. We're going to get a lot of ogling lot camera, of ogling. much more than in the Paul Bartel movies, but less nudity than in... Who knew Paul Bartel would be the sense of class... but much less nudity than in death race 2000 for example oh yeah that was Um, just all out there but yeah a a much much more shameless uh camera in terms of uh here's some knockers right exactly (laughs) franco is in a um uh a love scene (laughs) driving his toy car doing his motorboat lip (laughs) We hear the romantic Italian music in the background. Wait, it's not in the background. It's outside the door because when he leaves the hotel room to go join the other racers, he's hired 
musicians to stand in the hallway of the hotel. <laughs> I forgot that. This is what. This is how much game this guy's got. Is that he has? I'm surprised he didn't bring them in the in the car in the with him. Yeah, exactly. For no, in the car for the oh, race. The That's right. Because he knows he's going to encounter other ladies. He's he's got to. One, one of my favorite. This could have been just me telegraphing reality onto this, but I loved that when she, the woman he was with, steps out in the hallway, and see and is taking in that he's brought. A, a band, an orchestra to play this. And at first she's like confused. And then she's like, oh, wow, this guy's like really all like, like it's, del- it's delightful for a second. And then it she, she shows Franco walking away with the band and then it cuts back to her and it dawns on her that, oh, this is this is sad and crazy. <laughs> I read that differently. Her, I thought that was great. It was like her oh, this is first weird. reaction is her first reaction is, oh, that I wasn't just hearing that music in my head. Right. That was actual uh, music happening in the real world. And I'm then she realizes, oh wait, of course I wasn't hearing that music in my head because I'm not a character in a movie. Right. As right. far as I as far as I know. <laughs> I I'm in the diegesis too. <laughs> That's a great. Uh, I got to use that line somewhere. Um, so Franco walks into the garage. Oh, I'm going to mess you up. I, okay, I won't mess you up. Okay, mess me up. The, no, 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 no. Go, you have to go. Okay, Franco walks into the garage. Michael and the professor know that this ringer's been hired. They're all kind of ah, I hear he's hired some Grand Prix guy. Franco walks into the garage. He's late. He didn't come to the secret meeting. At the restaurant. He walks yeah. into the garage. Before he walks into the garage, he pulls a gun out of a paper bag to show it to the <laughs> cops who are on the stakeout. And Roscoe says, it's a hit. He walks in. He's hidden the, he's hidden the gun again. He gives, he gives a speech depicting himself as the hot-blooded Italian you insulted me at Le Mans. You insulted me at Monte Carlo. I will not take this anymore. He pulls out his gun. <laughs> he points it at Michael. Michael, surprised. Michael's cool as a cucumber, though. Yeah. This is something we can admire about Michael. He squints because he can see something that right with this gun before we can see it, Wade. Right. This is how quick his reflexes are. This is what makes him a good racer, I imagine. And then Marco, not, not suspending the joke, immediately goes and squirts a squirt gun at Michael. Mm-hmm. But doesn't break character. Still acts still, like he's assassinating yeah, him. Still. <laughs> That's the best. You are marked for life. And then he point, turns the gun on the professor and shoots him in the crotch <laughs> and says, I make you wet on your pee-pee. <laughs> Again, and the raw sexuality of Raul Julia. <laughs> they all have a good laugh. But the best moment of this line... Uh, oh, shit. What's the line? He squirts him. He squirts Michael. Make, I, make you, I thought it would like, make you wet on your pee-pee. <laughs> no, it's before that. We get a close-up, a reverse shot, close-up on Marco. 
he still hasn't broken character. Shit, what does he say? This is the biggest laugh of the movie for me, was this line. And it was Raul Julia's reading of it. Because he goes back into character, right? He's still in character, and he's like... He says something the equivalent of, but still angry. Isn't that funny? (laughs) But it's not what he says. He doesn't say, hey, that's just some joke, eh? He's like, isn't that funny? <laughs> you No, you like? That's what he says. <laughs> you like? He shoots him with his quick gun. You like? <laughs> oh, my God. I laughed so hard at that. Rod Julia is the best. He really is. He, um, I didn't enjoy One from the Heart very much. I love the soundtrack, but I didn't enjoy the movie much. And near the end, Raul Julia does a motion that is the funniest thing I've... He's just, you know, Raul Julia just ripped in the chest with an open, you know, an open robe, just flowing with like, you know, almost coital sensuality, you know? And he like, <laughs> he, he like, he's, he, he's on the hotel, um, the upper level of this hotel, and he angrily goes over with an ice bucket to the ice machine and angrily shovels ice into his ice bucket and then goes back in his room and slams the door. And it's, it's all it is. It's just him filling an ice bucket and he is hilarious. He's just, yeah. <laughs> the man's amazing. I think. <laughs> so Raul Julia and Gumball Rally and Natalie Wood and the great race. I think those are my top two performances so far in this series. I think, I think, I think this might be number one though. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that before I make a commitment to who yeah. would be best. Because honestly, for me, Mad World throws throws that off a lot. Well, of course. So, but um, can you what what? Well, I'll, I'll go back and listen to the episode. No, no, no. I mean, like just thinking of all the performances I love in that. But like, I'm going to have to totally think of it because. Um, oh, I know what it is. Uh, David Carradine and Cannonball. That's my favorite performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking about cool as a cucumber. Oh boy. Cucumber uh, <laughs> that's been out in the sun too long. <laughs> All right, we need to wrap this up. Yes, we do. Um, um, it's been fun though. I've enjoyed this it has quite a been bit. Fun. Yeah, we didn't get to the hot rod. The gun thing comes back with the hot rod thing. What, what do you mean? Uh, the hot oh, rod the gun guy, thing comes back. The rabbit. Uh, oh wait, yeah. wait, wait. Oh, 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 okay, so so my least favorite Raul Julia moment. He pulls it off, but it's. I think it's offensive. I wish he he pulled it off. (laughs) Is is when Colleen Camp pulls up at the gas station and he smells her. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, "What's that?" And he turns around and it's like, "Oof, Uh, not his fault. That's the movie's fault." My favorite bit of prop uh, business with him is when he's in Colleen Camp's car. After they've made love and he's he's catching up to them. How she caught up to them. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that doesn't really make any <laughs> fucking sense, but like whatever. This car caught up to the Ferrari and it's been running all we're, night. We're happy to have Franco back. We're in happy the movie. to have we're, him back. We're happy he got to have some sex. We're yes. happy Colleen Camp got to have sex with him. Yes. We're happy he's back in the race. We're not gonna question it. Right. And so he gives her his long white scarf, right? And wraps it around her, 
and says his goodbye. And then she says something that's kind of like derogatory to him before he leaves. I can't remember what. what uh, no, that's after he, something about him being fast. Yeah, 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 exactly. Something like that. Yeah. And so, um, so she, he gives her her scarf and he climbs out on the back of her car and then leaps into the Ferrari. And within seconds of being in that car, car, he pulls out another white scarf from the back and puts it back on. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> like he's just got a bunch hey, of these. He's gonna what's give him behind out to him is not important. That's <laughs> that's right. That's fine. He doesn't look back. <laughs> uh, secret plan alpha. Um, this is another one we should have registered. So, um, secret so plan. Alpha. Michael's secret plan alpha for if he's in the neck to neck race with Smitty at the end is he's. He's posted a, a buxom hitchhiker around the corner from the finish line, and Franco has to stop and pick up the hitchhiker. Right. Um, and this is played by this lady. Oh, what's her name? She is uh, notable in the NASCAR circuit. She was the NASCAR beauty queen. There was such a thing as a NASCAR really? beauty queen. She is hmm. in the Automotive Hall of Fame or the uh, Auto Racing Hall of Fame because she was just a famed beauty who would attend NASCAR races as wow. a beauty. Um, Vaughn, something Vaughn? Where is she in this list? There she is, Linda Vaughn. Yeah, she was like she's like a NASCAR celebrity. She would have hmm. been like a a hot cameo for. For, for for car for, enthusiasts, for NASCAR for car enthusiasts in the seventies, like ah, oh, wow. that's cool. I always like yeah. little things like that. That's really cool. And and the and Secret Plan Alpha doesn't actually work because they both get stopped by um by a I'm I'm Japanese tourists because I'm like ah, oh, Japanese tourists being a foil. Okay, whatever. But they both yeah. get stopped, so they're both at the same point. But again, they had elapsed time, right? <laughs> The race is running on yeah. And Michael only gets to go because he's towards the end of the he's line. The end of the, yeah. And so they when they pass, he gets to go first. He neither of them mm. threatened to run over pedestrians. That's know. good. No nurses pulled on it. That's great. Um, uh yeah. well, we should before we go, we should talk about the ending. So um uh, uh they all get, you know, Michael wins. They're all having a party. They kind of trickle in the ones that are late, you know, like Jose and and the two British guys uh, who come in much later. Um, they're all having their their little part. Oh, oh, oh! Um, Gary Busey and Mister Guts. Their storyline ends with <laughs> the Gary kind of the dumbest way possible. He just wants to do his little two wheeled stunt, taking it way too far, and rolls the he's car. Doing a, he's doing a side wheelie. Yeah. Is that what you call that? You're driving on two wheels, but it's a side two. It's like it's a side wheelie. Yeah, yeah. It's too. It's it's cool. We saw him do it earlier in this movie, so he's like doing it now. It's very much in the spirit of of the movie. Like, oh, I've decided that this is the cool thing to do. <laughs> exactly. And then when he rolls, he's just this like, is cooler than finishing the race. Like, I think Mr. Guts is a little bit is perturbed, but he Gary, does not he's, share the same goal share. in this moment. <laughs> no, but. Um, he actually looked like he was like 
like he was cut up. I was really he had glass like all over him. And like Gary Busey was just happy to well, I thought I would have done I thought I I thought that yeah. would have worked. Okay, great. He's living in the moment, man. Living in the moment, man. So they uh they 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 go to the Queen Mary. They make a, something about seeing the what the Queen Mary's they they make some lewd remark about her <laughs> like as if she had genitals or something. I can't remember. And then um, they so everyone's there. Roscoe's there, right? Yeah. And then Roscoe um, basically tells him he's giving up and he's not doing it again next year. Or well, Michael's, he's, he says, "I'm not going to be beaten and be around by you guys anymore." And then Michael says, "I might quit too." Yeah. And as soon Maybe. as he offers that possibility, um, Roscoe. The uh, brings in the cavalry because it's eleven o'clock, and he can at least get them on illegal parking. <laughs> right, and so it has parking all their cars, violation. Parking violation he has all their cars towed away. If they had kept racing, yeah, they they wouldn't have gotten towed. I I, I actually felt bad because when um, the two old Brits, it's a pretty cheap shot. It's show, a cheap shot. It's a cheap shot, but it's like it's all I got. It's all I got. Yeah, really lame, Roscoe. It was really lame. So we end on yeah. this kind of lame kind of victory of the bad, of the, the quote unquote bad guy. He belittles and himself by he, stooping here. Yeah. Totally does. He could have just walked away and yep. uh, had more dignity, but did not. Couldn't couldn't do it. And um and then when the British guys show up, I wanted no one told them, Hey, he's gonna call your car. <laughs> Get out, don't park. <laughs> they don't tell him that. Always bother me. <laughs> And Angie's there cooing on Jose. Don't understand that at all. Um, but everyone else is uh, is seemingly very happy. And then, uh, but then Smitty give when Smitty gives Michael the trophy, the big gumball machine. Again, makes a we great start. Speech. It is a great speech. It just goes makes me sick, and then gives it to him. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's done affectionately. You realize? Yes, yeah. it is very. It's affectionate. And. Um, uh, it was sweet, which is again makes me like Smitty way more than Michael. Because there's nothing I really like Smitty. Yeah, there's nothing to really like or dislike about Michael. But Smitty has a, a want, a need, and he didn't belittle himself yeah. to get it. Well, S- he did Smitty's hire a- all the Italian <laughs> Ferrari teams, but it made it more fun. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> Smitty's not a bad friend. No, he's not a bad friend at all. No. Yeah, he's a he's a right guy. So, I mean, obviously, Michael wanted to do all this stuff, and Smitty arranged it all, it seems. So So they don't have cars. Yep. Smitty says, well, how did you plan on getting back to New York? Had you even thought about it? And Michael's like, no, I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought ahead that far. (laughs) And then he just says, gumball. (laughs) And then it's like a zombie moment. Gumball. 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 It's Gnap, like an infection Gnap, that Gnap. spreads through. And now they all like, Gumball, yeah. we gotta we gotta race back. So even though none of them have cars anymore, or most of them don't have cars anymore, they've all decided that they're gonna race back to to New York. I don't know how they're gonna get their parking lot ticket punched here when they right. don't have a car to exit the garage. I suppose they can work that out. 
Um, but that's American ingenuity. You're not going to keep us down. Your little belittling stunt here, your victory, not keeping the, us down. Yeah, it's the spirit of it. And it doesn't yeah. feel like they're setting up a sequel. Nope. It's just like, no, this is the theme of the movie is that mm. they just sometimes you just have to answer the call, the call of the wild. You know, yeah. it's like my sister's dog, Dudley. <laughs> Dudley was this great Pyrenees. Mm. That uh, just every once in a while, it just had wanderlust. I guess this happens with Great Pyrenees. And just every once in a while, he just, like, I have to go. I've got to go. And mm. he would just disappear for a few days at a time. And then he would come back. He had a burrs all in his fur. He would be all filthy. But he'd be happy. He, like, I had to, he had to go answer the call of the wild go. for a while. Uh, one time, a family found him. And thought they were helping. They like he was gone for two weeks and just thought he was dead, got hit by a car or something. Some family had found him and thought they were helping by putting him in a pen and then trying to find his owners, <laughs> thinking he was a lost dog. He wasn't a right. lost dog. Right. He he knew how to get home. He just was doing his wander thing. He had his collar. That was stupid. Um, this is my personal version of this. Uh, this would be 25 years ago and three days, two days, December oh. 30th, December 30th, 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend, Paul Rodriguez, not the standard Stand comedian, calls me and says, let's go to New Orleans for New Year's Eve. I say, I'll meet you. I'll, I'm, I'm leaving in 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you want that for it. You want that. 30 yeah. minutes later, I was on the road to meet Paul and we were, and we were driving down in his uh, Ford Bronco down to New Orleans. We drove straight there. We got there at 8 PM New Year's Eve. We parked the car, immediately realized the keys were locked inside. <laughs> I spent the next three hours trying to find a cop who could get us into his truck, not having any fun. Every cop we encountered was like, I, I'm from Baton Rouge. I, they brought me in for New Year's Eve. Because <laughs> it was, you know, they were having the Cotton Bowl. It was, right. uh, it was Florida State versus Florida. So they had big influx of Florida Floridians yeah. being very rowdy. Um, and uh, getting into near fights in the street with each other. The marching band came down the street. Uh, lots of beads and boobs flying. Lots of people drinking. Us trying to find a cop. We finally get in. Uh, it's 11 p.m. We have one hour to wander around the French just the French Quarter before midnight. No girls kiss us. We don't drink any alcohol. We wander around now, around for another hour. At 1 p.m., we get in and drive through the thickest fog I've ever seen in my life (laughs) and drive back to straight back to Chicago. Wow. Get a flat tire on the on the way back. Um, Paul starts to change the tire, realizes he's kneeling in a fire ant's nest. Oh, oh. Oh, Jesus. You're not making a good case for this. (laughs) 
and it was a blast. Behavior. Oh, it was a blast. Okay, good. It was a blast. Mm. It was an adventure. And so that watching the gumball rally took me back to that kind of wild. Oh, and, that's nice. As wild and reckless as my youth got, which is not very. <laughs> but that that know. same spirit is uh, is definitely alive and well in in this movie, and I it was a welcome return. Well, I've left this episode uh, more positive about uh, Screwball, Screwball, Gumball Alley, Gumball, Gumball Rally, <laughs> than I did gumming in. Good. I might have gummed that up a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> that delivery. <laughs> I will not redo it. Well, what's next? Coming up next is you know, Scavenger know. Hunt. We're going to... Ah. It takes a couple of years to to come out. We're going to go from 76 to 79. Get a little gap. Oh, someone's got the physical medium. Yeah, Kino Studio Classics. All right. With Scavenger uh, starring Richard Benjamin, James Coco, Scatman Crothers, Ruth Gordon, Cloris Leachman... And the whole reason I discovered that this movie existed, which was the germ of this miniseries, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger, yes. In a cameo. I'm like, what's this movie in his filmography? And I still haven't seen it, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I've heard about this movie for a long time. I've never seen it. So I'm, uh, that's, that's exciting. So yeah, Scavenger Hunt, uh. Up, up on the up on the block for next episode. All right. Well, let us know what's up on your block. Is it your Jaguar that you're trying to get out of the garage? Let us know. Uh, send us an email at youwatchedwrong at happypanic.net. Um, or you can do things on Twitter or Facebook, but you know maybe we won't see those because maybe we're boycotting. Who knows? But we don't boycott our email. We just forget to check it. Exactly. We're most active on Letterboxd, where I am Carney of Steel. I am Siggy Lama, two G's, two L's. And if you made your chips reference for the movie before the movie where the California Highway Patrol motorcycle cops actually make an appearance, you punched it wrong. Lucky Racing.